Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 324. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up people? I believe it or not, Connor was almost on this episode. I don't believe you. He was almost here. And the only reason why he's not is because he, he did have to day off, but then he had to take other days off earlier in the week to go to the hospital, so he is not what here. What did he do now? I, I mean, it wasn't, he needed to see the doctor, his doctor was busy, so they sent him to the hospital. Gotcha. Uh, so okay. it's just not, like... It, another, another dog attack? Not, no dog attack, no, nothing, nothing dire. The cat get him? As far as I know, oh, I hope so, but... <laughs> yeah, the kitten's ruining his life right now. Uh, yeah. But he was very nearly on this episode, uh, and then it snatched away at the last second. But hey, uh, he will return. Some day, some way, somehow. Is that like a threat? <laughs> So yes, as a DC Comics podcast, we get together, we talk about the comics we read this week, and coming up on this week's show, we'll be talking about Batman, One Bad Day, Two-Face, issue one, Nightwing 96, The Flash 786, Batman Superman World's Finest, issue seven, Batman The Night, issue nine, Deceased, War of the Undead Gods, issue two. And that's yep. that's it. That wraps up right up. Uh, no Black Adam. Um, it turns out both of us had decided independently to... And- Ran out of time. I did not. Um, for me, it's just like I, there's things I like about it, but like I, I'm always, I, I, I always seem to have this problem with Christopher Priest writing. And I always feel this weird churn to it when I, when I'm trying to yeah. read it monthly. That that's how. So I started reading it last night before bed, and he was just throwing the names at us, and I was like, I can't comprehend this right now. Mm. And then just didn't have time to go back to it this morning. But you're right. There's a certain style that he writes in that. Uh, it's i'm trying to think it's very deliberate right like, yeah so you know well eventually i'll get back to it yeah no it's just cool it's cool uh but yeah so as the boost is coming up on today's show uh there's one little bit of news as well uh but yeah so we'll uh we'll get into all of that but there's always time for a comicsology top 10 matt's favorite Sometimes segment you're gonna forget everyone's favorite segment Numbers so yes, are dumb. don't forget. Yeah, so, uh, so we'll look at the top ten of the books that came out on Tuesday, which is DC's books, of course, which is basically means it's just a DC top ten. Right. Um. So, Matt, what uh, do you think was the number one DC book as of right now on Comicsology? I'm gonna go Nightwing. That is incorrect. Okay, all right. So the second guess, and the reason I didn't go number one is because of the price, is the Batman Two Face special. That is incorrect. Wow, my goodness, I know nothing. <laughs> Actually, the the number one right now is Batman Superman World's Finest, issue seven. Hey, let's get it, Mark Wade. Yeah, that's not too bad, is it? Yeah. Uh, number two is Nightwing, issue 96. Okay. Uh, number three is Deceased, uh, which, you know, Tom Taylor, uh, yeah. prints money now, <laughs> apparently. True. Uh, and then number four is Batman One Bad Day, uh, Two-Face. Uh, number five is Dark Crisis Young Justice, which is the obviously the tie-in miniseries. I think that's issue four that's on. Uh, number six is The Flash, 786. Number seven is Batman the Night, issue nine. Uh, number eight is DC vs. Vampires All Out War. Number nine is Titans United Blood Pact, uh, which is the start of the miniseries. And then number ten is Black Adam, issue four. And then once you go outside of, of that, you see uh, Fables, uh, you see Catwoman, which is not doing too hot right now, uh, if it can't keep up with some no. of those other books. Um, but then just some trades and, you know, other 
other things uh, that's sticking out here. Um, mm-hmm. The Harley Quinn 30th Anniversary Specials at number uh, 12, which, you know, that's a $10 book, so, you know, that maybe affects that. That said, though, and, and in the past, some of these anniversary issues are breaking records for sales figures, so maybe mm-hmm. it just shows that DC have maybe milked the anniversary special a little too much over the last few years, and the mystique has yeah. has worn off. But Well, but they also celebrate Harley a lot. Like, that's true. She, yeah. I feel like she just got a big special like this, so, you know, people might, might be out on that. That's true, that's true. Uh... Yeah, it's honestly it was a healthy week of, book, week of books for DC. I think um, I've got a lot of positive thoughts to share uh, later on, mm-hmm. so I'm excited to get to all those. Uh, but yeah, uh, so we'll have a quick peek at Wednesday and see how the rest of the uh, the comics mm-hmm. are doing. See see what Marvel and the maybe some of the bigger indies are up to. Uh, so, what do you think the number one book was from the rest of the pack? I'm gonna go because I see it here. I'm gonna say Axe Judgment Day Five. Uh, that is indeed correct. Uh, that is uh, the number one comic and comic soldier right now for the books released on Wednesday. Number two is Exterminators, issue one of five. Mm. Uh, number three is New Mutants, issue 30. Number four is Avengers, issue 60, uh, which I'm noticing is Mark Russell. When did uh, Aaron finish? That must Not have, a clue. That must, I am shocked. That must have been recently, because I feel like I was still seeing his name yeah. on these for quite some time. Uh Number five is Legion of X, issue five. Number six is Fantastic Four, issue 47. Number seven is Vanish, issue one, which is the Donny Cates uh, indie book. I think it's image that that's come from. Um, hmm. Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman on that book. So okay. Seems like an instant buy, but for most people. Yeah, interesting to see it on superhero books squeaking on. It's always nice, just for variety's yeah. sake. Uh, Avengers Forever issue nine, which is Jason Aaron. So did he just switch over to another Avengers book? Yeah, so he did. That was a tie-in for uh, uh, for the Axe event. He was on issue fifty-nine of Avengers. Oh, really? So, so okay. Yeah, so I'm I'm going through. I'm gonna see if he's on sixty-one. Maybe that might have been. Oh, just a fill-in. Might have just been. Yeah, yeah might have just been a fill-in because it's a Hawkeye-specific issue. Yeah, so it's like a one one-off. And it's also tied into something, judging from the big banner at the top of it. Yeah. So let's go to 61 and see if Aaron's name comes back. Uh, Untold Secrets. Yep, and Jason Aaron's back, so it's okay. just a one-off. There's just a tie-in. That's just, he's mm-hmm. just skipping an issue. Okay. Uh, false alarm then, I guess. Uh, then we got X-Men Unlimited, X-Men Green issue two of two. Um, what is with all these colors with the X-Men? I don't know. I got blue and gold. That made sense. But now green? For uh, Polaris? <laughs> green trousers? I'm trying to think of green X-Men. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> I don't know. Sauron's on there. The the pterodactyl dude. Sure, he's kind of... Yeah, he's green. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's green. But I don't know. That's it's Jerry Duggan. So, um, I don't know. But Wolverine's on the cover. So, we're, we're back. I feel like we're back in the 90s. Where it's Batman X books and then Batman and Wolverine uh, on every cover, so it, it's how how funny time is. Yeah, uh, number ten is Strange issue six. Uh, so that that is the top ten for Wednesday. Uh, Darth Vader just missed the top ten as the uh, Edge of the Spider Verse uh, book. Um, <clears throat> looking for some non Marvel stuff just for some variety sake. Number thirteen is Berserker, which is the Keanu Reeves <laughs> written yeah. book. You know? 
Uh, you know how many times I've almost bought that based on the fact that the guy looks like a Viking and it's Keanu? Um, I just never pulled the pro- trigger. Probably many times, knowing you. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's a creep show issue one at number 15. Uh, I, I bought that. I haven't read it yet. It's got a Paul Dini story. Mm. Uh, but R.L. Stein also put out a similar book um, that the the shop, the guy that works at the shop recommended because I he knows I like the Fear Street trilogy last year mm. um, and said it was very up there with that. Um, so I, that's on my list for when I get back. But but yeah, a lot of a lot of fun stuff. Um, no, that's cool. Right that's cool. Anyway, you know, we've been sort of toying with the idea of looking at some non-DC books occasionally yeah. uh, in a segment. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, nothing here, so, obviously. These already came out. But <laughs> Do you still have that open to see where Stuff of Nightmares was? I can, was yeah, I can check. Yeah. Uh, Stuff of Nightmares was actually just behind that at number 16. Okay. Nice. Oh, that's the RL, yeah, that's right. That's the RL Stein book, yeah. Yep. So yeah, I got that one. I pulled Creepshow just because it was right there. I didn't even know RL Stein had a book out. But, you know, growing up on Goosebump, Goosebumps and Fear Street and stuff, I think it's cool that they're using his name. Almost like his nostalgia, but um, it does carry a certain weight. I do kind of yeah. like, like the cover of uh, mm-hmm. Stuff on Nightmares, actually. It's got kind of yeah. a pulp vibe to it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, okay, okay. Not, 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 uh, not too bad. All right, well, there you go. There's your, your, there's your top 10 uh, from Comixology this week. Uh... Hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, your favorite segment will be back next week. Don't worry. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I am taking a week off uh, next month, mm-hmm. so there will be one week with no comic solitude top ten at the very least. So, Pete, does that mean no show for that week? It does not mean no show. Uh, oh. What we're going to do—I wasn't going to talk about this week, but since we brought it up. Oh. Uh, yeah, so what's going to happen is I'm taking a week off for the first time since this show started <laughs> in 2016. Uh, so what's going to happen is, is there'll be no regular episode that week that I'm away, but uh, we'll record in advance a Q&A episode uh, or something like that so that there's still something going out that week. And any big books from the week that I'm away, we'll just we'll come back and talk about them in the following episode. And some of the smaller books will just wait until the next issue. That's going to be the one week that Connor's not working on a Saturday. <laughs> Connor's going to be available. This is going to be so funny. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be so funny. He's going to show but I, I don't blame you. You can't, you can't trust either me or him to record anything. I so. mean, I think Connor would know how to record. Uh, yeah. But it would be very... It would be a headache dealing with all the other back-end yeah. stuff. So, you know, just... Yeah. Uh, we'll, do, we'll do it the easy way, which is uh, a regular episode... And then back to business as normal the week after. But uh, well, I'll warn you. We'll warn you about what week that's going to be as we're getting closer to it. But it's mid October, uh, so yes. Uh, let's cover some top ten. We'll move on then to the one bit of news that I did see. Uh, it's rare to get news right after solicits, but this is something for a little mm-hmm. bit down the line. Uh, in March, Harley Quinn is getting a new creative team. Oh, who's it going to be? Uh, it's actually going to be. I don't think we'd be too excited given what else we've all also dropped, but. Uh, Tini Howard is going to be writing the book, uh, and art's going to be Sweeney Boo. So, uh, Stephanie Phillips uh, will end with issue twenty-seven in February, which is actually a two-year run. So that'll be a nice, yeah. you know, round cool. set of time for her. Um, so you know, uh, obviously, it's not a book that we typically pay too much attention to, and unless it did get new careers. But you know what, Harley Quinn's the obviously we get things like Harleen once in a while that's really exciting, mm-hmm. and we love that, but. 
The main Harley Quinn book is definitely for a specific audience that I don't think yeah. is us, and that's okay. No. I mean, when, when Rosmo does the art, it's definitely for Connor. <laughs> it's definitely for Connor. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was a little real news uh, that was there, but I, definitely worth mentioning. Um, but, uh, no, good stuff. So, I'm a... Uh, I I, uh, did, I I I watched the I watched the last two Marvel movies this week, Matt. Oh, okay. So, yes. Let, let, I need to know what you thought of Sam Raimi's Multiverse of Madness. Uh, the odd good moment, but kind of a mess. And I hated that the villain was just outright evil from the start, which felt like a cheap ploy to me. Yeah, I've I've had arguments with with Alden over this. And he always throws up the dark hold. I'm like, but this kind of undoes everything from WandaVision just to do the story in the, the movie. And so then it makes WandaVision feel like it doesn't count. Well, it is, but at the same time, it does count because there's so much references right. to her wanting her kids in the movies. You know? Right, but, that, but that's it. So everything that she learned from WandaVision just goes out the window because of the dark hole, and I don't like that. Yeah, and not to get too out of spoilers or anything, but it was kind of yeah. weird how you see glimpses of other wonders and other universes, and there's no vision of any kind. Like that felt weird to me. You almost, know? almost like they couldn't get Paul back. Yeah, Paul Petty was too busy. Yeah. So I'm not doing yeah. multiverse of madness. Um, what what do you think of the the strange at the end without giving uh, spoilers? A very Sam Raimi. Yeah, it was very Sam. I mean, I'm not a big Sam. Raimi. That's the thing. I like the Evil Dead trilogy. I don't mm -hmm. like Sam Raimi's other movies. Um, yeah, I find but him... it gets it gets very Evil Deady in parts, though, right? Like, kind of. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I always pop for the Bruce Campbell cameo. Like, I'm never yeah. going to be upset at that. Right. Uh, but it's I don't know. I, like his tone that he tries to put into everything isn't really for me. Like, I think it works yeah. in Evil Dead, but I I am kind of okay with it not being other things. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've, I've kind of gravitated more towards the first Evil Dead, which is the least, like, Sam Raimi goofy of the three. The least, uh, yeah. yeah. The more straightforward horror version. Yeah. Yeah. But it's very, it's very yeah, good just... at the straightforward horror, which is was, yeah. which is nice about well, it. That's why I don't know how you feel about Drag Me to Hell. Uh, I quite enjoy it mm -mm. because of that tone. Not for me. So, yeah, I, I do like how it alternates and it plays with expectations. There, there's that. a point where you have your demon or witch lady just puking for like a minute straight that I'm just yeah. this is stupid. I'm not into this. Yeah, and it makes that that stupid stuff makes me laugh. Um, so no. it's one of those things where it goes on for too long and it stops being funny, and then it starts being funny again shortly after. So, but I get why it's not for like you. Like your your mm. your comedy sense is very different than mine. Like again, when we first started writing. Uh, and I was editing your stuff, and we disagreed over uh, Jackass Bad Grandpa. Like, you had this super negative review, and I had a very positive review. And I side-messaged uh, Pete. I was like, bro, is your sense of humor broken? He goes, no, that's not funny. And yeah, that's when I learned. Oh, it definitely is not. Uh... Yeah, so, but no, uh, and okay, and Love and Thunder? Uh, better than Doctor Strange. I do think that it was there was too much comedy. It was a bit self indulgent. Um, I felt like there was some gags that because you know comedy, even in a comedy, the comedy and the joke should advance the plot and like mean something yeah. to the character. And we're doing gags with like, the the theater performance and stuff again because yeah. oh people liked it. It's a meme now, so that's why we're doing it. Um, um I did love the two things I really liked about it. Uh, were the jealousy thing between Stormbreaker and Mjolnir, that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and I won't spoil it, but I'll just say there's a big segment towards the end with the kids that I thought was very sweet and worked quite well. 
but I do not like that it you kind of rushes through Jane's whole story and the fact that Gore the God Butcher is in a comedy. I want him to be in a serious movie where he, like it, it feels like the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the problem with picking Gore because Gore is such this big like that that arc lasted twelve issues. You know. Yeah. More importantly to that, Jane's time as Thor and her whole story till the ending Absolutely. was like three years or maybe four yeah. years. I, I'd have to go back and check, yeah. but it was a long time. We didn't time. even know she was the mighty Thor. That's true. Like yeah, yeah. yeah it, it was like a, a year. Yeah, it was a mystery for a long time who the uh-huh. Thor was. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. Would Would you say that? Because you've seen Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Would you say it's kind of the inverse of Jojo Rabbit, where Jojo Rabbit had like this serious tone with comedy? you know pushed out or or peppered throughout to lighten the darkness i felt like uh this the love and thunder was the reverse that it was comedy with some darkness but neither of them work as well as he does in jojo rabbit uh i can kind of see what you're saying i think jojo rabbit is an outright comedy as well but it's just always very like every single bit of comedy in that movie has a purpose it's you know it's, it's, it's pointing out some dark thing or it's uh, uh, you know addressing well, some it, dark thing and that's why, why it makes it a satire right yeah. it's, it's putting a spotlight on these other dark themes through the lens yeah. of comedy jojo jo- jo- rabbit for the record is a fantastic like yes. just you know it is that is a like i i i was not begging a lot of tika Watiti's movies up until that point like i, I liked them well enough but i wasn't as into them yeah. as other people were jojo rabbit's the one that i came out loving like i loved yeah. that movie so, uh, yeah, like you know, so I think Love and Thunder's still just okay. But stuff, the stuff in it I genuinely like, which is maybe a bit different to uh, Dark World, not Dark World. Well, I mean Dark World too, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Multiverse of Madness. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, uh, so far, uh, Phase Four has real been hit or miss. It's super choppy, um, and uh, and I and I like Thor a lot. I just I, I understand that the flaws are there. But man, yeah, between Multiverse of Madness, like the, the big movies, hopefully Wakanda Forever sticks whatever landing. Um, I'm very worried about my boy M'Baku. Very worried. Um, <laughs> it's not in the trailer a lot. So. Oh, uh, sounds like uh, a first act death to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm so worried about, about that. But yeah, so far the movies have been kind of super choppy. The show's super choppy. I'm really enjoying She-Hulk and I enjoyed Hawkeye, but the rest of them I'm kind of like, they almost overstay their welcome at points. Or like not overstay their welcome. They there's like a dip in episodes three and four, and we have to crawl back under. And so far, I say She Hulk hasn't done that for me. It's because most of them are just they're clearly just my movie script that was stretched out into six yeah. episodes, and the middle chunk's not satisfying as a result. Right. <laughs> they're not right. actually written as TV shows properly. So, um, um, but I'm glad you mostly enjoyed Love and Thunder. Um, seems like you enjoyed it more than you didn't. Um, about sex. So. That's that's on that side. I would it say. is, but a six to use, like, yeah. <laughs> come on now, it's not my skill. But yeah, I figured you'd feel that about. I I remember watching it, going like, oh, Pete's Pete's not gonna enjoy this. And then we got to the end with with uh, the Evil Dead, the kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, he might like this. But I already know how you are on Doctor Strange and magic, good stuff. And um, yeah, so yeah. And, although it is kind of nice that uh, it feels like kind of the air is out of the balloon for Marvel at this point. And I'm kind of, I don't know what that says about me, that there's not this buzz and this hype. Because, like, I don't have to worry about stuff getting spoiled right now, like I've had in past stuff. So, 
Mm. Even for you, the, the the special facade is starting to. Yeah, I mean, them. I'm still like again. I'll still be there opening weekend, but this isn't like like Love and Thunder. We weren't there opening night. We went on Saturday. You know, <laughs> one day later. That's that's how yeah. much has changed well, for no, me so far. We would make time out of our week to go on Friday nights, and now it's kind of like okay, well, we'll get to it. You know, like Eternals. I don't even think I got to opening weekend. Um, we we just kind of meandered into that, kind of like that movie meandered across. Um, which still no, there's been nothing. No ties with Eternals. Uh, there know? was a reference in She Hulk to it, I think. It was, it was, I was blinking. You miss it, but it was like when she was looking at a web page. There was like an article uh, saying, "Why is there a giant hand sticking out of the?" <laughs> okay, I love that. No, so you know, but yeah, it's a little bit off. Um, you know, but but yeah, um, I watched Andor. Don't know if you watched that. I did uh, have to review the pilot. Patrons made me do it. Here's my thing with Andor. It's very well made. I don't give a crap what's going on. Um, it's just a lot of walking and talking. Um, so, I think it's easily the best first episode of any of the Star Wars shows on Disney Plus. Well, again, it's it's very well made. I just don't care about what's going on. The, I mean, and the bar minor, for me is obviously yeah, quite low, but of course. But um, but yeah, and and people are like, oh, it's so refreshing because it's not tying into, you know, it's not like, hey, look at this. And I was like, well, no, but it's also like. I don't know. It's definitely not for me, but... Um, I mean, I have to agree with the sentiment. It is refreshing that it's not tying into shit. And I, uh, I it, do like that, but to me, that doesn't make it enough of... For, so I've only watched the first two episodes. There's not enough going on for me to go, oh my god, this is amazing. I think like, the simplicity is probably... I mean, I, I, I did have some critiques of the first episode, but I think the simplicity in the story is part of what's making it work. And... I appreciated that it set up some parallels between Andor and the antagonist, who's at least in the first episode. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be the ultimate villain or whatever, but um, there were some interesting parallels there and enough character stuff that I actually had some character analysis in my review of the first episode, which for most of these first Disney Plus shows, I've not really done that. You know, I didn't come out of Obi-Wan episode one going, I want to talk about what's going through Obi-Wan's mind. Because I didn't. (laughs) Also, I was very tired when I watched Andor, so... Um, that might have might have impacted it. My eyes might have been shut. And it's worth mentioning. I'm saying this as someone who did not like Rogue One, so I I, I do not give right. a shit about Andor as a character like yeah. before oh, the no, show. I mean, yeah, and that, that's the thing too. Also, when I, with people, I see the people that seem to like it also line up on Rogue One. Which if you like Rogue One, cool. That's not how I like my Star Wars. Um, it's way too bleak. Um, and I know that's the point. Is is how different it is, and it's the wars in the Star Wars. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, yeah. you know the bleakness the, was not my the, problem with that movie in fact if no. anything i would say andor's tone being a bit bleaker and darker mm-hmm. i think was part of what i thought was more refreshing about it because yeah. uh the the other you know the, like mandalorian was very cute to see first mm-hmm. obi-wan was just all obi-wan's i don't I, yeah it was, it was all the like hey there's uncle ben and there's yeah. whoever else um there's uncle, uncle ben there's uncle ben it's Uncle Owen. Uncle Ben's the rice guy. And Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Well, that's what they, yeah. I said. Uncle Ben, I went, no, that's Spider-Man. Is he yeah. also Uncle Ben? Are they both Uncle Ben? No, it's Uncle Owen and Uncle Ben Owen. Kenobi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smash them together. Ah, okay. Well, yeah. uh, in my head now, Joel Edgerton's now just Uncle Ben. <laughs> that That's a shirt. It's just to, to trigger the Star Wars fans. You call him Uncle Ben. <laughs> well, it's like that uh, meme that goes around. It's like a picture of Patrick Stewart and then the quote next mm-hmm. to him. 
is uh, use the force, Harry, and then like right. you know uh, hyphen Gandalf. <laughs> it is right. a picture of Patrick Stewart. Yeah, no, but yeah, um, but yeah. So far, I, I gotta go back. It's like again, it's very well made. I, I'm appreciating the the look and the feel of it. I just hooey. I mean, there's, there's... I don't really care about more Star Wars stuff, so I'm probably not going to watch any of it, any more of it anyway. But uh, I do think it was a a pretty decent first episode, despite the fact that I think it probably should have been the first two episodes should have been like put together because it, yeah. the first one on its own didn't feel like it had an ending. So yeah, uh, which is a problem with Disney Plus in general, to be honest, with a lot of their shows. But True. that's True. that's another. Uh, it does it does feel like a television show versus a the way that it's paced. Versus like you were talking about with a lot of the Marvel stuff, feels like a movie they stretched out. Um, it it does have that episodic feel, which I appreciate. Um, because after the second episode, I'll get that. But yeah, no, it's uh, you know, I'm trying to think what else, what else of note that that if you've seen, and I can't think of anything off the top of my head to to discuss real quick, but. I don't know. Was there anything else yeah. nerdy in the in the world in this past? No, I mean I already was. asked you about certain movies that you don't have yet, <laughs> so those those are out. But, um, oh, I mean, actually, I'll, I'll use this opportunity to plug yeah. something. Uh, the new Quantum Leap started, and myself and Tara reviewed mm-hmm. it. Uh, we talked about the first episode for an hour. So, uh, if you'd like to go see your thoughts on that, if you like Quantum Leap, uh, mm-hmm. go check out Mailfuzz TV and watch the watch the review. No, 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 Scott Bakula. It's not even the same character, right? It's not the same character. It said the same world, though. They referenced oh. the original show. Hey, cool. So, yeah. I hope they resolve the the end title card. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they referenced Dean Stockwell's character as well. So, mm. Mm. cool. If I even dedicated the episode to him at the end, which was mm. kind of sweet, because he died last year. That's very cool. I like when they do that. Mm. That's on uh, Peacock, right? Well, NBC first, but yeah, it's on, on, on Peacock too, yeah. Obviously. Oh, so it's actually on TV? Yeah, it's airing on a time slot, oh, yeah. very cool. I, I did not know that. It's how far out of TV I am right now. <laughs> I just assume everything's on streaming first. Yeah. I mean, I think it's on Peacock immediately after, because it's yeah. their thing, but yeah. Well, that makes me wonder if The Resort ever aired, because we're going to watch that. Um, uh, it's from the people that did Palm Springs, but it's a TV series, and it's uh, Cheaty from The Good Place, and oh, okay. the mom... And the mom from, which is also in, what's her name? Chris, Christine? I can't think of it right now. But she was in Palm Springs as well. Uh, yeah, Christine Milioti. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know her, yeah. She, she, was yeah. In, she was in a fantastic episode of Black Mirror called USS yes. Callister. Yep. Which, funnily enough, the director of Andor also directed that. So. Oh, interesting. There you go. Yeah, as I was looking at these names. But yeah, but they're, they go on vacation. They start finding a mystery. It looks really good. It, it's all aired now. Uh, that's what it was have you finished what we do in the shadows i haven't even started the season yet oh man <laughs> really good storytelling i'm sorry really to say haven't even started Damn. the season yet um uh, actually but... i will drop a, a a weirder recommendation on you oh i'm sure sh- i'm shocked i want to recommend this but orphan first kill hmm? not bad not bad yeah not bad like the uh, first half is like fine it's a bit retready but then yep. you, there's a certain moment where you're like oh uh-huh. you actually had an idea for this one oh okay okay did, did we talk about this last week maybe we did maybe, maybe we already had this did, conversation offline yeah because i remember <laughs> saying the same stuff yeah first half i'm kind of like okay i've seen orphan this is this then there's a turn and you're like oh now i sat right up in my chair 
Like, oh, okay, I'm in now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, try and not get spoiled for for Orphan First. If you if you care about watching yes. it, don't get it spoiled. Just yeah. go, go in and. It's it's a lot like which I I don't like that this has become part of marketing is like no no less. But you, I know I try to go in knowing as as least amount of possible. Um, but that one that one's definitely one you should know less. Just know that it's a prequel. That's all you need to know. Yes. Um, yeah, over the fact so. that there's a 25 year old playing yeah. someone who's meant to be like nine and just go with right. it. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, first kill ended up being a, a worth worthwhile watch. Surprisingly. Um, yeah. I, I did watch uh, The Wolfman for the first time since I was 10. Oh, the um, original? Yeah, the original. The Lon Chaney uh, Jr. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So uh, it's a pretty fun. Uh, I'm going to watch. This spooky season, and watch Frankenstein, which I've never actually seen. The Boris Karloff. Um, go good. I recommend it. Yeah, and they um, what was the other one we're gonna watch? They have oh, the Mummy about the Boris Karloff. I've never seen. Honestly, I don't uh, think the original Mummy's that good. Uh, no? it's it's got a great opening, like ten minutes, and then the rest of it I think is quite dull. But okay. uh, for the sake of ticking it off, you should yeah. watch it. You know, uh, so those, those are all sitting there on Peacock, and you know, Wolfman was enjoyable enough. It's it's definitely a, a movie of a different time with the pacing. It's only seventy minutes, but it feels much longer. Yeah, I'm definitely not. Um, I'm not a big Wolfman. Like, I don't think yeah. Wolfman's that great a movie. I think when, I, when I'm looking at those original Universal classics, mm -hmm. Invisible Man's my favorite, and then I really like Dracula, Frankenstein, mm -hmm. uh, Black Lagoon's not bad. Yeah, uh, you know, then so I'm trying to knock those off. So I gotta find Creature from Black Lagoon. I haven't seen that since I was a kid as well. Uh, but yeah, I've never seen Frankenstein, the Boris Karloff stuff. I haven't seen Mummy and Frankenstein. So um, we flipped a coin. Wolfman won over Frankenstein. So, um, but I'm, I'm excited. It's it's fun to watch those yeah. old ones. Um, so I watched Dracula last year when I had COVID. I remember texting Pete, like, should I watch this? And you're like, absolutely. Yeah, of course um, should. And I'm going to track down the Christopher Lee because we started on Shudder. They have a countdown of those the scariest horror moments mm. uh, show, and the the that Dracula I forget the name of it. Um, it's, well, it's actually horror? just Dracula, depending on where you're okay. looking at it. Uh, but it's also called Horror of Dracula. Okay, if, uh, that's what they had it listed as. Yeah. And my wife goes, "Wait, Christopher Lee, the guy from Star Wars?" <laughs> and uh, I said, "Yeah, I can't Dooku." And she's like, "He was Dracula." I was like, "Oh, he was Dracula a lot." Yeah, also like, Van Helsing's Peter Cushing, also from yeah. Star Wars, funnily enough. Yeah, and I told her that, and she goes, wait, who? I go, Grandma Tarkin, and she goes, oh, okay. So I'm going to try to track that one down, because I haven't seen any of the Hammer. I haven't seen any Hammer The first, movies. The first Hammer Dracula is pretty good. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, the sequel's very wildly in quality, but uh, the, the first one's pretty good. But yeah, so I'm going to try to watch that one, and Nosferatu, which our, our little joke um, is... Right now, anytime I say let's watch Nosferatu, she goes, "Oh, he's in an episode of SpongeBob," because she knows it irritates me. Ah, uh, very good. As if he's not a legendary horror character. Um, but I'm gonna watch the um, what's his name, Werner. Herzog. One. Yes. Yeah. So. Oh, that's also great. I highly recommend Werner Herzog yeah. Nosferatu. Yes. Uh, it's funny actually we're talking about these Universal Monster movies because uh, the the rest of the main eight uh, are mm -hmm. all switching to 4K. They're all getting 4K releases, Ooh. so uh, they're all switching to 4K on iTunes. Um, I think so. It, what, what count? What count is the eight then? Because you got yeah, Dracula, Wolfman, 
so Frankenstein. It's, so it's Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, Invisible Man, Mummy, Phantom of the Opera, and Creature from the Black Lagoon. That's the main eight. Ooh, okay. Uh, and then you get all the sequels, which maybe the one deal before K, but I don't, they're not in a rush yeah. to get to those ones. <laughs> the um, the 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 transfer for Wolfman was pretty good on the Peacock, so I don't know what they used, but it looked really good. Uh, for an older movie on high def. That well, that went. I think that got 4K last year, so I'm pretty sure it's, oh. it's, pro- it's probably the same. I mean, okay. m- maybe you were getting HD of it rather than the full yeah. 4K, but it was probably from yeah. the same master. Okay, it looked it looked pretty good for an older movie because sometimes they, like Dracula last year, didn't look as good. Um, like it looked like an older movie. It felt like an older movie. That might have just been the way it was shot though, too, because well, it is 10 years. It's 10 years older, yeah. So. It's 10 years older than Wolfman, so, um. But I was like, oh, okay, this is fine. But uh, no, that that's that's pretty cool because I know I know you're a big universal horror guy, um, so that's uh, of course you would know when the 4Ks are coming. Yeah, yeah, they did half of them. They did the main four last year, and then the other half of the eight they're mm-hmm. doing for this spooky fine. season. So. No, uh, Poltergeist just got up to 4K as well at Warner Bros. If anyone cares, I mean, I, I, this is this is super nitty gritty movie stuff on the DC yeah. Comics podcast. But if yeah. anyone cares, uh... well, we don't have any DC movies to talk about, so <laughs> we might as well make up for it elsewhere. <clears throat> this is this is very true. This is very true. But hey, um, as always, timestamps exist uh, to skip to the comics. Should you not like yeah. our uh, so, small so talk you said segment? Poltergeist, uh, Poltergeist up res, huh? 4K. Yep, yep, that's uh, just been upgraded uh, okay. to 4K, I believe. have to go. They put a release out of it as well, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge Poltergeist guy, to be honest, but. Uh, I, I like it a lot. Um, I realize it's the only Toby Hooper movie that I really like, so I'm not a big Texas Chainsaw guy. I haven't seen Salem's Lot, so um, Poltergeist it is, and I still don't believe he fully directed it. Yeah, I'll, yeah, so, I'll, t- I'll take uh, Texas Chainsaw over Poltergeist. I'll take Texas Chainsaw yeah. 2 over Poltergeist. Uh, wow. I'll maybe even take uh, a few other his films. I'm trying to think what else he's done. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, my my, my main's drawn a black. He did Martin, right? Yeah. Was that was that him? I think he did Martin. Which one? Martin. I don't know. Let's look. It's a vampire movie, kind of. Hmm. I say kind of. Uh, I think he did the original Toolbox Murders. I want to say, if I remember correctly. No, he did the remake of Toolbox Murders. Sorry, not the original. And a bizarre twist. He did the remake of it. Uh, he did not do those Texas Chainsaw. He did the first and the second. They're they're crediting him with the newer ones uh, on the filmography. Oh, I'm not, Google. Yeah, I'm sure he got an executive producer. Yeah, and something. I was like, no, this is not what I'm looking. I'm looking for his actual filmography of what he directed. I'm looking for this Martin one because that sounds like uh, just different. Uh, 70s, I'm sure. Let's see. Unless I'm mixing it up with someone Oh, he did The Abyss. 1959. Mm -hmm. Martin, 1977 is the movie. Uh, Oh, it's Romero. Sorry, it's George A. Romero who directed Martin. Oh, I forgive me, horror people. 76, he has eaten alive. So, Poltergeist, Life Force, Invaders from Mars, Texas Chainsaw 2... He did an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah. What was the one? I listened to a show that was talking about one that he directed. Uh, Spontaneous Combustion is the one. 
and it sounded like a whole whole mess. So I might have to watch that one. Hmm. Well, yeah. I think we could start talking comics there. Yeah, let's uh-uh. get to those. Let's get to let's talk Two Face. Hmm. Yes. So starting off, Batman, One Bad Day, Two-Face, Issue 1, Mariko Tamaki writing with Javier Fernandez on the art. So uh, I, I want to also, first of all, before I even mention the contents of the book, I want to say that they scared me into thinking it was like an extra 15 pages longer than the last one because of the preview of that, that Batman and Joker book That's at the That's so yeah. yeah. Uh, I was like, oh god, this is 75 pages, what the hell? And then I got I got to like the ending and went, oh, and then I was obviously, because I, I read this first. And then obviously yeah. I realized afterwards it was in every book, but like, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh god damn it! <laughs> yeah, yeah no. um, it also read quicker than the Riddler one just because I think Tamaki's style is different thinking. Oh yeah, yeah, like it wasn't so as dense. Uh, this certainly. this definitely felt like more like a traditional bat that story. This felt like uh, you know, basically the page count is the same as three comics, so it was like a three yeah. issue mini, just kind of like written as one big yeah. story, which is is, oh. is fine. Uh, I will say the the premise of this sort of series of one shots. Um, I think after the last issue with Tom King's book, I thought it was going to all of them were going to like sort of like be something that caused Batman to eventually maybe right. kill someone. Uh, clearly, that's not the case. He's just had a shitty day here. <laughs> yeah. So this is actually a bad day for for Batman. Yes. Uh, and that's one. And I but I do like it because I like. I mean, Two Face is my favorite Bat villain. I'm not counting Ivy because you know she she's on the Harley line now and the Selena line that. She's yeah. not really bad guy. She's not fully good. There but... is an IV issue coming though, isn't there? Yeah. So um so when it comes to Two Face, I love the dynamic of Harvey versus Two Face. Right? And that Harvey Dent was a friend of Batman's and you know, um, and Gordon. And you know, so Bruce always has an issue that that Harvey might be in there still. And so it's different from the Joker or from Scarecrow or whatever. Is that this is his friend, um, and you know how far can his friend push him? Is what I kind of liked here. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this as well is that unlike the other one, this actually could just be in continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, unless any of the Two Face stuff gets retconned later, but um, obviously, early on, there's a reference in the flashback scene to Officer mm-hmm. Nakano, which is obviously a young mayor Nakano, who then is mm-hmm. mentioned again later when we go to present day. It references a couple of things from Tamaki's run. Um, even some of the characters Tamaki throws in here, you know, are very much it's the present day Stephanie Brown, it's the present day, yeah. you know, Babs and Cast. Yeah, like, you know, we we, we yeah. get all these like sort of ties, and it's like, oh, this this literally could just be like a, an extra little extension onto her run. And just, onto tech, yeah. yeah. It almost feels like that because that last Riddler story uh Tamaki did was what, three three issues, right? Uh, I, I think it was more, but that was the one that was co-written. Like, someone else was scripting, yeah. so it was a bit wordier than hard writing yeah. usually was. So, yeah, so I wonder, you know, in another in another world where we don't get a one-shot, you know, type thing, if that was, this was just the next arc. Um, uh, yeah, you know, possibly, yeah. And, and they, and Tamaki adapted it. Um, but I, no, it... Yeah, yeah, I'd almost say that if, you know, when they eventually maybe do an omnibus of her run, I would almost say... Throw this yeah. on at the end, like <laughs> conclude this. This is kind of just but, part of the next part. Yeah, of it. and again, it's it's everything that we've already said about Tamaki. That Tamaki has the voices down for these characters. Like Steph, or Steph sounds like Steph. Cass sounds like Cass. You know, um, Bruce. She can write for Bruce really well. So, but seeing the Two Face, I really liked. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I think uh, the first time we've encountered Tamaki's Two Face 
And for me, I always look to see if the, you know, I, I like the idea that sometimes Two-Face is in control and sometimes Harvey's in control. So how they word things is different. And I really feel Tamaki nailed that in this. Yeah. Well, this book's toying with the idea is that even a thing or isn't, you know, like, mm-hmm. is it really two personalities or is, is, is it just one person and like mm-hmm. it's all kind of a ruse or whatever? Uh, obviously, there's a flashback scene where Two-Face is like dangling a kid off the edge of a building. But the main yeah. plot of the book is that Harvey is like kind of rehabilitated. He's acting normal. Nakano's going to make him DA. Um, but he contacts Batman because he's worried because his father, who's turning 88, he's having an 88th mm-hmm. birthday party and he's retiring and he's going to make a big speech and all that stuff. Someone sent a letter, like a, you know, an old school ransom letter with all the cut out you know, letters uh, saying that his father's not safe, basically. And Batman looks at what agrees to look into it and find out who's doing this. Now, I, I do think it is a bit predictable in that I immediately went, This is Two Face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this is Two Face who's sent this letter. Even if we're assuming Harvey and Two Face are two distinct personalities, maybe, right. Harvey, maybe Harvey doesn't know that he's actually right. it's, it's Two Face. But immediately I went, This is Two Face. And that's why when Batman looks into everything, he, he can't find any evidence of anyone else or anything going on. Right. And that, that's what I like, though, too, is that. Bruce looks and he's like, there's no ties to anybody, you know, which I, I like that kind of befuddles him because he wants to trust Harvey, you know? Um, so it's almost in his blind spot. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, you know, Steph actually comes to see Batman and says, Hey, you know, we're kind of doing this weird favor for Harvey Dent. And like, can, can we remember who he is? And obviously it's presenting this idea that Batman always wants to give Harvey a chance because he, he was friends with him. Um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the sort of you know conflicting part of this 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 uh, relationship for him. Uh, but obviously the art from Fernandez is very good. There's a lot of great stuff, uh, a lot of moody stuff. You know, at the start when Two Face is on the rooftop and dangling the kid, there's a lot of stuff where you see like the the you know the the scarred side of his face from from the, you know surrounded yeah. by shadow or uh you know, stuff like that. It's it's all there's, there's the one page good. where you turn the page and it really focuses on that side of of two face and it's it's very ghastly in the best way you know very body horror um so yeah props to fernandez i remember the first time i read fernandez's or saw his art was in nightwing so he does gotham really really well um oh god that was years ago but yeah Yeah. in terms of continuity you know it references montoya's past with two face Mm -hmm. and uh, I think it mentioned. It may even mentions No Man's Land and was you know, with Gordon early on. Talks about yeah, that. which I gotta read No Man's Land. It's been years, but he talks about you know Harvey put him on trial during that time, and it was Harvey making the decision, not Two Face. So that's why Gordon trusts Harvey. So that was another aspect that I liked of it. Yeah, I will, I will say this. This isn't specific to this book, and this this goes into Tamaki's run. It goes into other Bat books right now. But I love that. You know, this is like just the the horror of the New Fifty Two sort of speaking through me mm-hmm. here. But I am so glad that we're willing to remember all of Bat continuity again and talk about all these mm-hmm. big things that have happened in the last like thirty years in Batman because there's a lot of good stuff and a lot of good history with a lot of these characters, and it's nice that yeah. it, it can be uh, referenced again and used to like help drive motivations and stories. So, uh, actually, when I actually really love the page where it's Steph and Batman talking on the roof. There's just something about the the purple of her costume it, popping. Uh, yeah. And and the the way that the city's lit in the background too. Yeah, it looks it looks pretty cool because it's dark but it's light at the same time. So it's also playing with that duality. Yeah, yeah, and even get and Power Rangers rules here when we see there's like a quick little mm-hmm. flashback of Steph seeing like adult Batman beat someone up, 
and she's wearing a purple t-shirt because like the power rangers she has to always be wearing her color yeah just so we well, know and, her. and that that person is her dad clue master oh of course yeah that's why it's just, yeah. it's referencing that that's why she has a distrust of helping like someone who's a villain because right you know her father was this villain Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, but it, it brings up this conflict, uh, and we and I think you know we do get a scene with Harvey going to see his father and seeing that strange relationship and how he's trying to be this good son to him, mm-hmm. which is all just there so that when Harvey does flip and he's like, no, this is Two Face has made this plan to kill his father the whole time, mm-hmm. you feel the weight of it a bit more because it's made it's given you a glimpse because I don't think Harvey's relationship with his father is something that I've seen before, or if I have, no. it's been so long that I I don't remember it. Yeah, and even as a Two Face fan, I didn't realize he was a junior. You know, oh, this yeah, is Harvey yeah. Dent Senior. And I didn't realize that. Um, and again, it plays off of that whole, you know, it plays with the duality that there's two of them. There's Harvey Senior, Harvey Junior. You know, his lot was kind of cast from the beginning, um, and he's got a new, you know, a new younger wife, you know, and stuff. But uh, I, as I'm looking at the art again, is it just me or does Fernandez's Harvey look a lot like Aaron Eckhart? Um. I think it's the hair that's making you think that. Yeah. He's got a very yeah. Arne Eckhart haircut. Yeah. Uh, that's Harvey Dent. Yeah, I remember, I remember that just came through. You got to a page, I was like, oh my god. He looks like, looks like uh, the, the Nolan verse. Yeah. But you know, the setup of the issue is fun because it's all building up to this birthday party and you have like mm-hmm. uh, Batman with Steph, Cass, uh, and other Bat family members kind of like at, at or around or in the party. So there's mm-hmm. kind of this, like, you know, build-up to, like, something's going to go down and we don't quite know what. So there's a good bit of suspense and build-up and tension to it. Uh, Cass is on the inside wearing a dress as a guest and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Batman's outside the perimeter. Steph's, like, posing as one of the employees in the hotel the party's taking place. And mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it comes up and we get this sort of this plot where all the balloons are filled with gas and the cake's poisoned. And the cake specifically makes his face kind of start to melt on, like, one yeah. side, just like Harvey. Uh, which is, you know, very cool. Do you know what, actually, a lot of this made me think of the Arkham Tower stuff a little bit, just in the idea that we have mm-hmm. all these characters in place build, on the yeah. build-up to this thing. Obviously, it's a much right. smaller, compressed version, but... Yeah, yeah. but it, it's definitely the Bat team instead of just Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was cool. So. Uh, it was a great, uh, big, full-page... Uh... Actually, I love the panel of uh, when you first see Cass in outfit, she's just kicking a dude. Mm-hmm. She looks great, but... Yeah. Uh, there's a great panel of Batman coming through the skylight with all, as all the balloons that say 88 are releasing from the, the window mm-hmm. to, to safety. Um, there's a great big uh, full-page spread of Batman surrounded by all these golden balloons uh, coming down. It's a very classic Batman entrance, but all, all the balloons yes. with the gold make it pop and just in a very different way to normal. Yeah, well, and, and the color behind it of the skylight is green too. It's not just that clear blue that we're used to seeing, mm-hmm. so... The contrast in the colors. Yeah, which actually, works. speaking of the colors, we immediately shift to like Two Face stalking his mm-hmm. father in the hallways, and it's all like this. Like, you know, it's a horror movie. It's all bathed right. in red and dark and black, and uh-huh. uh, so it's really good stuff. And then obviously, once his face starts like bubbling and like melting, it's like, oh shit, this is like yeah. this is proper horror movie stuff. And to be fair, what did I like from the get go of Tamaki's detective run? It was the horror movie vibes that I love. It was given right. Me. So right you know? with the bug guy. Yeah, the right. monsters yeah. and yeah, yeah. The, all that stuff. So, no, uh, I thought it was super fun. I, I think, obviously, I don't think it's as momentous and amazing as the Tom oh. King issue, but I think what I love about this is that it is so different. I, th- I think if we got an issue that was trying to be as serious as the Tom King issue, it would have, like, hurt whatever the issue was because we'd be like, oh, yeah. this is too similar. I think that this, you know, like a good wrestling show, you have a very different genre or style of match as your second mm-hmm. match because it'll, you know, to make it feel distinct and different. So... 
you don't really compare them the same way because it's pointless, but it's good that it feels different to the first one. So I hope that they effectively bounce around tones and types of Batman story throughout these one shots. Yeah, I, I like that. That's just was a really good Two Face story, mm-hmm. right? Like it just, and I hope that's what these end up doing is they oh, kind of spotlight I, what makes the character work. Actually, the one the one thing that I would compare between this and the Tom King issue is that they both elevated their villain. Like I think this yeah. elevated two. Like, this was a really dastardly personal thing for Two Face to do was to pretend to be okay for some time only to t- turn around and be a plot where he's been plotting to kill his father. Uh, right. It feels really vicious, and Riddler was elevated into this ultra, like, killer in the like, Tom King's issue, so mm-hmm. if, yeah, if we get that in each of these issues where each villain is, like, elevated to, like, a higher status, yeah, that's awesome. That's great, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited for the Clayface one now. Yeah. To see what they do with that, because Clayface is another favorite that, you know, through, through the Tynan detective run, you know, I, I just wonder what that one bad day is going to be like. Mm. So, but, you know, I like this. And then, you know, we get to the end that, you know, Harvey is Two-Face and Two-Face is Harvey there. You know, it's... And it, it kind of gets to this idea that Two-Face mocks Batman at the end when he comes mm-hmm. to see him in the cell, where he talks about how, you know, my father wanted to believe that Harvey could still exist and you want mm-hmm. to believe he could still exist. But and that's kind of the darkness of Two Face is that he represents mm-hmm. that does that like you hope a little bit, but you're always disappointed when Two Face is the yeah. one that you're, comes around. So mm-hmm. is that, that's kind of part of the, the beauty of the character in a weird way, and what makes him stand out against other villains. Uh, mm-hmm. So no, it's uh, really neat stuff. Uh, so you end with Steph and Batman talking about it, uh, or talking about him over the gravestone, and um, you know, uh, yeah. So it's just a nice little ending to the the whole story. And yeah. as with a lot of Two-Face stories, it ends with him tossing the coin. Uh, and, and we don't see what it lands on, which I, I do like. Like, that was... That's a nice... It's just him him snatching it from the air. And it's, um, it's kind of representative of the story as a whole, right? Is mm-hmm. that we see the, these two personalities, but the story's kind of implying, nah, that's not really true. So right? the idea at the end, oh, we don't see what the coin lands on, because there is no one side. Like, no, it, it's no. The, there's no two sides. It's just one thing. Right. He, he makes us look, right? Yeah. Like, and that's not to say uh, that I want that interpretation to always be Two-Faced, but mm-hmm. I think this this issue does a good job of saying, this, making it this interpretation of Two-Face. Yeah. This interpretation of Two-Face is they're, they're one and the same, so the coin flip's just a show. Yeah. You know? Because, I, I, you know, I, you know, I love, uh, like, Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum. I love that there's that, like, humanity from Two-Face by the end. You know, I love when stories do that with Two-Face, but for this interpretation of Two-Face, I really dug what Tamaki set out to, to do with it. Um kind of made this tragedy of, like, you always want to hope that Harvey's still in there, but the, the sad yeah. truth is he probably isn't. And that's... Right. Yeah, you know, so... I mean, depending on how many times they redo his face, right? Like, he only has so many constructive surgeries before a man can snap. <laughs> to be fair, he's so, not constructed here. He's just walking around with a burned half face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, so, like, even in in uh, in the, the Ram B tech stuff right now, he's walking around with that mask on mm. in the last issue, you know, kind of rehabbed, so... But yeah, no, this is, this is really, really good stuff. Yeah, like, I guess that means this isn't continuity, but yeah. like you could take it as continuity to her detective mm-hmm. run and yeah. just sort of roll with it there. So yeah, you know, so comics be comics. Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, comics will be comics. It doesn't have to all fit neatly. It's but this is a, a very nice interpretation and breakdown of Two Face's character. Um, and I mean, because you also have him running around right now. Like as a Two Face fan, I'm very happy because he's running around in Task Force Z you know, doing stuff in there. And we got this. That's, that's really, true. Yeah. A lot of Two-Face you know? uh, so, right now. You know, after him not being around for a while. So, but yeah, 
I, I really did like that was the strength of the issue for me was the the whole Bruce wants to trust Harvey. And like so I like at the end is they you know, they mimic each other with they their sentences where Batman's driving away and goes, Harvey and Two Face, my friend and my enemy. And then Two Face just goes, Batman, my friend I mean, and my enemy. The whole th- the whole thing is Batman's <clears throat> questioning himself as he's investigating yep. things like, mm-hmm. you know, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I hope it's Harvey, but I know there's right. a chance it's just Two Face. And Steph warns him of that, and then it turns out to be just the sad truth. Right. And you know, so it's kind it's kind of like a inevitable tragedy tragedy yeah. we all see coming, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the point. And that's why it yeah. doesn't matter that it's that you can guess mm-hmm. that it's it's Two Face right from the start right. because the whole sad part of it is that deep down Batman probably knows it is, and he's just yeah. he's ho- he's hoping to find the culprit so it's not Two Face. He's hoping to right. find you know the he Joker. He wants to be justified. Or, yeah. yeah, he wants his trust to be justified. Uh, and and it just won't be because it's two face. Yeah, it's so, it's the whole story of the frog and the scorpion, right? You know, it's just his nature at this point. So yeah, it's not a ten out of ten that the Riddler issue was, but what are you rating? Um, I'm gonna give this one a nine. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I agree with the night. I think it was another excellent one shot, and mm-hmm. if they can if they can keep up to this standard, like we'll be in a very happy place with these. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you know. Uh, very very good stuff. Art's fantastic. Uh, the story's great. Some great character dynamics to talk about. And do, do we off the top of your head, do you know who's next? Which villain? Oh, not off the top of my head. No, I thought I'd have to go check. Yeah, I'll I'll look that up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think both issues have elevated their villains and their story. Um, you maybe you won't like these versions of the villains. You know, maybe you don't mm-hmm. want serial killer Riddler. You don't want. Uh, a, a two-faced that doesn't have the, 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 the duality, but, you know, I think these are both done really good jobs telling these stories. Yeah. Uh, you got an answer for me, Matt? I'm, I'm looking right now. Uh, I believe it's Penguin. That's the John Ridley and Kevin okay. Coley. Should be but, interesting. Um, it doesn't say when it comes out. That's what I was looking for, was the was the dates. Um, and I don't see... <clears throat> and then after that is the freeze dug in. I, uh, well, Duggan and Scalera. So. Not excited by Duggan as a name, but I do want Mr. Freeze to have a good issue, yeah. so... And oh. actually, we don't have a Ivy, we have a Catwoman. Oh, sorry, okay. That's uh, by Wilson, though, so I could understand um, why you think that was Ivy. I just assumed there was an Ivy, because there's like six or eight of them, I can't remember how many there is. Yeah, there's Clayface, Bane, Catwoman, Freeze, Penguin, Two-Face, and Riddler. So... Okay. Uh, all right. Nightwing issue 96 Tom Taylor writing with Bruno Redondo on the art is the finale of the arc which uh, has a double meaning uh, the, you know the battle mm-hmm. for Gotham's or for Blue Tiffin's heart I should say um, by the end of the issue it's got a bit of a double meaning so we'll get to that um, unsurprisingly to everyone I love this issue uh, <laughs> it's you know the end of last issue was the mask coming off and blockbuster scene at Dick Grayson as Nightwing as Haven is burning uh due to Blockbuster's antics. And, you know, Babs is outside. Uh, she's offering help for Dick, and Dick's, no, I'm going to fight Blockbuster on my own. So a lot of the issue is just Dick and Blockbuster fighting. Yeah. Um, but In the flames, it looks rad as hell. Oh, yeah, they're like surrounded it... by fire. Um, yeah. The conversation, you know, when Dick puts his mask back on early on, and we get, like, the, the close-up of the hands, like, putting it on, and then... Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of good stuff going on here. The fighting looks fantastic. Redondo's art is beautiful. Uh, you get a lot of like there's a panel a few pages in where Safford's put his mask on and he's like it's like Dick's like running or lunging to, like uh, and it's like a side shot of him doing this with his hands out behind him 
with these batons and it's like you know you've got the orange of the flames behind him and then he's just like black and blue and colors mm-hmm. it just looks it looks beautiful um it's an excellent finale to the arc you know you get the big fight the big showdown with blockbuster and ultimately though this idea that you know this has all been about blockbuster trying to keep a hold of the city and he's, he hates that dick's trying to take it from him and now he knows that dick and, and nightwing are the same person um there's a lot of great climactic stuff here uh with, with this and payoff mm-hmm. to to this like being the story of blockbuster and it is the ending of blockbuster story for now because blockbuster mm-hmm. at the end of this issue seems to be dead <laughs> so <laughs> yeah heartless shut up I was like i was ready for you this time i got a bigger tube uh, uh, so i i did like that uh but no well, I just, we say this i say this a lot when it comes to this arc is it feels very daredevil and it, i mean i feel that's by design at this point with taylor and redondo because this felt like matt murdoch versus kingpin when kingpin realizes that daredevil and matt murdoch are one and the same and even the threat from blockbuster is everyone you know is now less safe because I know who you are. Yeah. Um, it's just that very kingpin, but with with just the way that Dick responds and how Babs responds later, that's what makes it Nightwing in in DC and and you know um, that it's not just it, it's almost these archetypes here. Um, but but yeah, man, I just it looked so cool the, the fight. With with all the the color around there, with the oranges and the reds and and yellows and stuff with the fire against you know whatever tone that Blockbuster is because he's like a pinkish hue, it makes him look that much more monstrous. It, it looks uh, like so, he's part of the fire, whereas Dick yeah. always looks like he stands out because of the blue and the black. Right. You know, right. it's, uh, you know he is in the fire. He he's the one saying this is fine, <laughs> whereas right. Dick's like no fighting against it. Um, yeah, I think. You know, I I love that this truly ends a lot of like Blockbuster's like current story because mm-hmm. the other villains turn their back on him because they find out. You know, Babs reveals to them that Blockbuster actually owns the prison in Bloodhaven, yep. and all the horrible time that some of you have had there is actually he could have like he could have made that easy for you. He could have like you know changed it yeah. so that it was like 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 a resort while you were there, but he didn't. He he nope. kept one of the roughest prisons in the country. And one of the guys like I lost friends in that prison. You know, and and we get the good Tom Taylor trick, which we've seen now here and in Suicide Squad, where we get the comics code, uh, censoring, yeah, censoring the, and, the, the, and, the fingers and, and stuff, and yeah. little fingers. And I will say, I got a mighty laugh because it's not just the fu; it's the bottom of the page, where as he's they're, they're, going, dri- they're driving the, off and they keep saying yeah. more stuff, and it's just all censored. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> and and so you know, it's a very serious moment, right? But through Tom Taylor's, uh comedy stylings it, it really lightens it up and redondo's art just kills it here because just the way even they i think is this electrocutioner yeah he's the way that he's framed with the middle fingers it's all just very you know it's, it's it very a big moment. yeah it's, it's all designed to be as funny as humanly possible yep. uh yep. but obviously satisfying because it's them turning their back on blockbuster mm-hmm. Um, and it's the idea that they, they try the, the control of the city. And that's, that's the great thing about the irony of the ending is that, you know, it's like the battle for Bloodhaven's heart. And it comes right after Blockbuster repeatedly says that this is his city, that he is Bloodhaven, that his heart is the heart of Bloodhaven. And then, of course, like, so the, the, yeah, so there's the, 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 the meaning that the, most of the arc has been, which is the mm-hmm. battle for the soul of Bloodhaven, where Dex try to save it and Blockbuster wants to keep it corrupt. But the literal thing at the end where... I am Bloodhaven, okay, and then he 
literally takes his heart. So, you know, there's yeah. a, a great sort of dry, like, dark humor to that. Mm-hmm. But the end of the fight's great. Dick kicks Blockbuster out the window. Yep. It's a phenomenal couple of panels. Um, the perspective as he comes flying out over the top of uh, Barbara and Kate, who are outside, you know, fending off the other villains. And, you know, uh, it turns out all the community who, who are here have been, including George Perez, who they're still giving yep. a cameo in here, which is cool. Um, and Wolfman, actually. I'm pretty sure that's Wolfman who's standing next yep. to him. Uh, like, you know, they're, they're putting the fire up with buckets. They're uh, telling Blockbuster to get lost. And then, of course, the, the other villains tell him to get lost. Uh, all really good stuff. And I, I, you know what? I love that it teases. I really, uh, it's, it's a trope I hate in writing that constantly happens in superhero comics, especially, but mm-hmm. it happens a lot in TV shows and stuff. Is that we can't be together because you'll be in danger, bullshit. I love that Dick says that, and for a split second, you're like, oh no, Taylor, what are you doing? And then Babs just starts cackling with laughter. Are you serious? I'm Batgirl. Look at who we are. It doesn't matter. Yep. Um, and then, you we're, know, you get, you are always in danger. That's, I love that line. And then you get this really sweet exchange uh, where she asks if he's happy, and he's like, yeah, I've never been happier. And then she's like, Oracle and Nightwing, Batgirl and Robin, Dick and Babs, and then you know, they have their big, you know, kisses. Mm-hmm. You know, it's th- this is really, feels like a heartwarming run to me, where it's pit, pit, it's finally willing to, anyway, this goes back to what I said before about uh, how the New 52 refused to accept the history of anything. Mm-hmm. This is like, just capitalizing on so much history to... to Give all of this so much weight. Yeah, and like, it's always felt like Dick Grayson is like the cornerstone of the DCU, and I liked it here. Taylor's really embracing that because but you say that every single time we talk about this book. I know, but it's because of of the way. So like, as Blockbuster's like, well, you can't stop me by yourself. He's like, I don't have to do this by myself. And you know, he's not Superman, right? He can't be everywhere at once. But through his connections of stuff, that it's. Dick Grayson wins because he's a good friend, right? Yeah. It's also it's worth mentioning as well that this um this issue focuses primarily on Dick versus Blockbuster, and mm-hmm. Dick mentions all the things that happened last issue. But I like that it made it made the entire confrontation feel big that we had yeah. Flash going after the one villain, and we had mm-hmm. the Titans go after this other part of the operation. Yeah. But it made sense to me that in this issue, okay, that we got all that all the, out the way in the penultimate issue to make everything feel big. But now yeah. it's just these two in a room with yeah. fire, and like it's it's a one on one fight because it makes you feel like the big climactic fight as opposed yeah. to it's, just it's just another battle. just another part of the the, the overall schmoz, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I really like that, um, and just what I said there about using all of the history, even that line from Babs, which is Oracle and Nightwing, Batgirl and mm-hmm. Robin, Dick and Babs. It's like literally their real names are last, yeah. their first aliases. Your second, and what they currently get known as, um, you know, being first. This idea that it's going back down the line of history and that dialogue. They they are rivaling Lois and Clark as my favorite couple. Like, (laughs) just it feels real. Like, this feels like a real relationship. Like, yes, it's just, it's all art. But, you know, the way that Taylor has played with it in this arc, well, in, in his run on Nightwing, like, it's just, they feel like a real couple that, like her laughing at him, like, well, we can't be together because you'll be in danger. And she's like, yeah, okay. You know, that's like a real response from from a loved one. You know, like, don't worry about me. I'll worry about me. So yeah, they're they're and also they're adorable. Like, come on. 
Yeah, honestly, at this point, I'm starting to think no one should ever do a Nightwing run after this because I don't know how anything's ever going to <laughs> like compare yeah, to it. Yeah, it, it's this is definitely like everything I've ever wanted in Nightwing run. And like, where do we go from here? Like, everything's just gonna, like I'm sure it'll be fine. Like whoever takes over for you know Taylor, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, not that we're done but yet, I mean, and now that there's not yeah. like plenty to still, still come. Obviously, we're, we're this heartless stuff's been building since the start yeah. of the run, and that's obviously like we're we're getting more teases. Yeah. Which, by the way, I love that his heart gun for uh yeah, for Buster looks like a rocket launcher. The way he's yeah. like holding it, it's like a rocket launcher mm-hmm. on his shoulder. Uh, it's I don't know, it's just a really nice touch. Um, uh, I was gonna say though too when you you said about like you don't want another Nightwing run. And I was like, I'm sure people said that with Bendis with Daredevil, and then Brew Baker came up. And oh was sure, like, okay, yeah. You know, we're gonna do so. Oh yeah. I'm like, saying, like if any after... of our other favorite writers, yeah, you know, like, that's uh, the gauntlet. I I, I I say that, but then right, you know, it's like okay, take it over for. It's like Ram V is going to be the next writer on the. Yeah. I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll, I'll, any sh- of our I'll shop. People, right? That that you know, go ahead. The gauntlet's thrown. Show us what you got. Yeah, but you know, it, it, I just it, it, this was like the perfect climax to this arc. It felt like it was really touching on all these things. And obviously, the, the fact that Blockbuster, at least for now, is dead, would also mm-hmm. take care of the fact that he knows who Dick is. So, you know, we don't yeah. have to deal with that too much right now, uh, which is nice. Well, uh, it's and- almost like Heartless doesn't care about that, right? Like, like that's what makes him and Blockbuster different. Or them, because we still don't know who Heartless Well, sure, is. sure, yeah, but I wasn't even thinking about it in the context of that. I was just thinking the context of dealing with it from a writing pa- mm-hmm. point of view. We don't have to do it for at least right. a while until Blockbuster somehow comes back. But <laughs> zombie, zombie Blockbuster. But the, but the other thing about this, though, is there also elevates Heartless, because he's just done this to, to Blockbuster. He, you know, well, you spend time building up a villain, especially an original villain like this, you have to, like, put them over. You have to, like, make it clear that they're a big deal and a big threat. So... Having it last a while that helps do that, but having him take out Blockbuster like this um, really achieves that. And all, all of a sudden, Heartless feels like a bigger deal again. Uh, and, you know, so it says next power vacuum, so we'll see maybe if some other mobsters try to take over uh, Blockbuster's mm-hmm. turf or something and, you know, how, how Nightwing could deal with that. But uh, that, was, that was really cool. Um, so, no, I, I had just a giant smile on my face pretty much this entire issue. Uh, Redondo's art is... Uh, phenomenal. Uh, the fight is exciting to watch. The emotional conversation that turned funny very quickly between Dick and Babs. Very, you know, very touching. You know, the close-ups of the hands and things like that. Just the perfect thing to use in the panels as this is playing out. Uh, really good stuff. And then obviously all the all the heartless stuff in the last scene uh, is great. So yeah. Well, and the ominous. Your city is mine now. Yeah. Like yeah. That's oof. So, you know, there's always going to be another threat. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. Dick already knows about Heartless to some extent, but doesn't right. necessarily know that, oh, Heartless is making plays to really take over the city. Right. So. Well, and, yeah, his sister's still mayor, right? Uh, as far as we know. Um, so. You yeah. say that as if there's any reason why she wouldn't be there. Well, because wasn't she implicated in Blockbuster's corruption and stuff? Like, with the cop? Like, when he... Oh, no, because Blockbuster's guys got him. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. see why that would have changed. Uh, unless yeah. they tell us differently. Uh, next issue. Right. Uh, so, no. Uh, phenomenal issue. Um, loving this run. It's becoming slowly, issue by issue, one of my favorite runs of DC Comics. Yeah. So, um, it's already taken Best Nightwing run for me. And we'll see mm-hmm. where it keeps going from there. So, um, 
What are you giving Nightwing issue 96? I'm um, giving yeah, this a 10. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to go quite to the 10. I, I am going to go a little bit more restrained and say 9.5. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. And uh, I'm loving this run. So happy, happy days. Uh, so there you go, that's Nightwing. The Flash, 786. This is Jeremy Adams writing with a man Kenny Hulpin on the art. Um, this is back to being a Dark Crisis tie-in for one issue, interestingly. I did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably could have if I'd remembered to solicit text, but uh, I did not know that going in. Nope. So we actually have a bunch of other characters here at the start. We have the GSA, we have the Titans. Um, everyone's going to split up and deal with the different uh, armies that uh, Deathstroke's got kicking around. Now, to be honest, the Dark Crisis tie-in of this is basically just a setup for what's going to happen with the Flash family. It's not really that important yeah. or that essential to Dark Crisis. So, you know, no one has to worry about it. But the Flash family are going to speed around. Linda included, who gets a costume from Mr. Terrific, um, mm-hmm. are going to speed around and just deal with some of the villains that are up to no good uh, during Dark Crisis. That said, though, before we go into that part of the issue, I have to talk about one of my favorite moments of the week. I don't know if I'll take my because there's a lot of good stuff in Nightwing to pick at the end of the show. Yeah. But... There's a moment here between Damien and Irie, which then brings in Cass and Steph, which popped huh? me so much. So, um, basically, Damien you know, walks into the scene and looks down at Irie and says, Kid Flash, who is this baby Flash or Flash baby? And uh, Irie just sort of gives him a stern look and says, my mom says people are mean because... They're trying to make up for not feeling as good as everyone else. And the way that Steph and Cass are drawn in the background with their masks on, just looking up like, oh, looking, shit. Nothing to see here. Yeah. Like, ooh, yeah. yeah. And then Cass, like, or Steph kneels down in the next next panel and says, hi, my name's Stephanie, and this is Cass, and we'd like to be your best friends. Yeah. As, as Damien storms off, oh, my God, I was howling with, at this with sequence his of panels. Yeah. Yeah, oh, uh, man. The idea of Steph and Cass thinking Irie's great because she's gives Damien shit is just yeah. a wonderful and little she's sassy. gag. Like, oh, yeah. it's great. She, uh, she fits right in. Yeah, so funny. And then it, it, you know, it pays off a little bit again later as well. Uh, when they all go off and there's this two-page layout of like, uh, like there's two plots running down either side of the two-page layout mm-hmm. with the Flash family running in the middle. Um, you've got uh, one side, you've got Damien dealing with um, oh, what's that, that villain's name? Shag- he's Shaggy Man or the General, depending on what version. Yeah, that's the one. Yep. Uh, so you've got... Uh, you know, uh, basically, Iray saves Damien from getting yep. smushed. Um, yep. And Damien's like, I had it under control. And she was like, the proper response is thank you. And then mm-hmm. Steph just turns to Cass and goes, she's the best. Yep, the, and then Cass, the best. <laughs> yeah, so well, good. And then on the opposite side, you have Jay uh, constantly going to Arsenal. And Roy, why are you wearing a hat? And that that killed me too. Yeah, so Supreme just don't wear hats. It's just not, you know, yeah. or, not even the hat, like a, a, a ball cap specifically. Yeah, this this one does. Uh, also, getting to see Emmy, that's good. Like, uh, anytime we can see her, I'm a fan of. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if it wasn't clear already, this is just a really delightfully fun issue. This, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Adam's run on Flash doesn't have the weight that Taylor's Nightwing run does, but it mm-hmm. does have the feel good side of it. So, it's not as good. Yeah. But the more it's went on, the more I've come to kind of love this well, run and really enjoy yeah. what it's doing with the characters. Just like with Tom Taylor, you can tell there's a um, an appreciation of the character. Yeah. Right? That, that Adams really loves Wally. And it comes through with all of this, you know. Yeah, and, and, and loves so Wally's far. family, loves like all these, mm-hmm. you know, the characters. I, 
you know, so it's, it's nowhere near as good as Nightwing because it doesn't have the no. same weight to it. But it does have that respect for the history, and clearly mm-hmm. there's just a lot of fun being had, like having yeah. these characters in this situation, having the kids have their powers and interact. Obviously, there's a great callback here to earlier in the run where they run into Animal Man and Animal Girl who are fighting mm-hmm. um, what Mula and some gorillas yeah. from you know uh, Grodd's yeah. camp, um, and you know Iris is so excited to see her, and they're both excited and they, they team up a little bit. Um, I love that uh, Jay and Maxine have got these, like, hello, the arch nemesis, which, for yeah. the record, just feels like, okay, so they're going to be a couple at some point, right? Like, yeah. they're clearly has, they're crushing each other. I'm, mm-hmm. just, I'm calling it now. I'm getting some Xander Cordelia, like, <laughs> chemistry coming from this. Uh, so, no, just delightful. Um, like, just, you know, it's kind of a great set. They would end up fighting some Nazi zombies at one point from an old Nazi bunker. Uh, and... Police. Power Girl teaches uh, Jay how to uh, thunderclap, and he's like yep. so excited about it. Um, like it, it really is just a nice little like run through a bunch of different like heroes and villains to interact mm-hmm. with as we get good banter from the characters. Uh, so if you, I mean, if someone read this and said, "Yeah, it's a little hollow though," and I'm like, you know what, you're probably right. It is kind yeah. of just a saccharine sweet issue of nice character moments, mm-hmm. but. I kind of enjoyed it for what it was. There's, there's a low-key one that I enjoyed, too, is that when uh, Jesse Quick sees her husband, sees mm. Rex, and greets him because she hasn't seen him in a while. Uh, I, that was another one that I thoroughly enjoyed. Oh, no, Rick? Is he Rick? Who's Rex? Frickin' Rex. Those are the hour men. I, can't, I always get them confused. But I don't remember she which hugs one her is. husband. Yeah. yeah. She hugs her husband, and that was a really nice moment, too. Like Again, you tell that he cares. But, yeah, the thunderclap moment with Power Girl. Um, I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. and, and same when, when we get in into the bunker and Clarion, the witch boy's there. Um, and his magic doesn't work because, you know, Wally, Wally remembered to use these sigils um, to stop yeah. him. I thought that was a lot of fun. I, I, I kind of love that panel of Wally grinning as, uh-huh. as he's like explaining that he's got these from like his magic friends. Yep. Uh, I don't know. It's just something kind of like shit-eating grin about it that I, I kind of like. Uh, so... Yeah, it's just a really delightful time of, like, the family all going out and doing this together. Um, so it's not really a tie-in. It's a tie-in in the sense that the reason that all these villains are out doing this is is loosely... They say, oh, this is because Deathstroke's, like, army's out doing this stuff. But that is, like, so loose. It's not really a tie-in. It's just an excuse to have them go around and interact with all these villains and heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's really delightful. Um, like... I really had a great time reading this. I'm probably only going to give it a seven because I do admit that it's kind of hollow in the sense that yeah. there's not a lot of other things going on. There's not I, a lot of weight to it. But I read this early and I forgot that I had read it. And so I went back to read it. Um, Cause I'm like, I remember starting it. And I was like, Oh yeah, no, I read this in one go. Uh, and that's why I forgot. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Although there was, you mentioned there is a tease for the future. There's a little voice that pops in at the end saying you aren't fast enough flash. What's coming for you, uh, for the chaos, for the for the fraction, blah blah blah. Uh, it also says at the bottom, uh, next month in the Flash, Wally becomes a pro wrestler. Yep, I'm very excited. So, you know, good, good luck um, to that. So I'm wondering if that voice that was talking to him has to do with the 60 Second War. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe they're teasing that. Yeah, maybe yeah, they're... Yeah, because that, that's why he's not fast enough to cause that, something. Because like that. that's starting in, what, November? December, maybe? Mm. I think maybe December. Uh, yeah. so we've got a couple of issues before we start that. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, we, we get, I, I, um, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Linda, 
Yes. Uh, in her in her Flash costume, it's a it's a pretty nice amalgamation of other heroes. You know, it's got like a J style. Uh, yeah, uh, a lot top. of Je- lot of Jesse Quick vibes yeah. I got from it as well. You know, Jesse's goggles and stuff. So it just it looked looks pretty cool. Um, and uh, and a teasing of a new name for Irie, which I'm I'm excited for, because. I like when they have to create new names. Oh yeah, Maxine says, just, we'll get, yeah, because Maxine wants yeah. to help her pick a name, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, because she can't be Impulse, because Bart's running around, so, um, and of course trying to figure out what that name's going to be. Uh, but I thought Thunderclap for Jay would be a good name too. Um, he's the Surge. He's apparently. already Surge, yeah. yeah. But just him yelling, you give Thunderclap, Joe, Joe you was, give Thunderclap. That, that was funny, but the, yeah. the thing that gets me about the name, the Surge, is that sometimes when I say it, it sounds like I'm saying Serge. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the uh, the character uh, Beverly Hills Cop or uh, the lead singer of System of a Down. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I immediately went for. Not, not just Serge, but because I forgot Serge was a character in Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, he's the 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 tech guy. Well, he's he's just, he's, he's he's actually just he's like a clothes guy at first, I think. At but then first, he's, yeah. He, because he, technically he's still doing clothes stuff in the third one, yeah. but he's also making like a gun that has a microwave in it for some reason. Yeah, yeah, because it's silly. Yeah. You don't say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had a delightful time. I think yeah. the Flash book's not a must read, but if you want just a nice de- delightful Wally book with his family, mm-hmm. uh, I'm enjoying it for what it yeah. is. Anyone who says that they missed Wally while Barry was in the book in the focus, you should be reading this because we are getting some very good Wally moments. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what, what are you giving it, Matt? Uh, I'm gonna go with the seven, just like you said. Yeah, because it's 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 good. Uh, the Nahelpin's art's pretty decent too, but yeah, it's just it's kind of just there. It's like, I don't want to call it hollow because that seems real uh, harsh. Maybe that does seem a bit harsh. Maybe, it, but, yeah. but it, it's it, it's dessert. It's just dessert, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, which is which is fine if that as long mm-hmm. if that's what it is, that's fine. Uh, so I actually really enjoyed it, but I'm only going to go with the seven because of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, good stuff. All right, uh, Batman Superman World's Finest Issue 7, Mark Wade writing with Dan Mora on the art. So this is the start of our new arc uh, and our possible sidekick for Superman being introduced, yeah. which I, I forgot that's what the premise of this was. Uh, obviously, it starts off with what I thought was going to be like a version of Batman from another universe or something, because mm-hmm. we start in Gotham and it's very Krypton-esque where you've got these two scientists putting putting their kid in a ship and, you know, it's not a baby, it's, you know, it's, he's, he's, a, he's a teenager, but... Um, you know, sending them off before the 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 planet explodes. Um, but instead of going through space, he goes through a rift in the sky to the main yep. DC universe. So, uh, that's the the setup. Yep. Um, can I just say, obviously, Dan Mora did skip an issue, took an issue off yeah. uh, between arcs. So I'm so glad that uh, he came back because uh, the first few pages are great, but it's that first page with Batman in the jet with the like the Top Gun style mask on. Uh, mm-hmm. flying the plane, the bat plane. I was like, oh man, this just looks so good. It's like Mora just nails some of this stuff. Is, wait, is it Mora? Because it says, oh yeah, okay. They have him on the the thing. They had listed as more. So I got for a hot second. Um, they yeah, must have done what is what more? They they have on the cover. It's Wade Moore and Bonvillian. Oh, so, so, so I didn't even notice that. No, it's, it's so that, that, I mean, it looked like Mora, and then the credits yeah. page says Mora. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why is I was looking at there and I was like, wait, no, I thought it was Dan Mora, but so, I'm seeing on the cover right now. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, I mean, it, it, you can tell by looking at it, it's Dan mm-hmm. Mora. It looks like his yeah. art. Uh, yeah, you're right. The Top Gun page with with uh, Batman wearing the 
the mask over it. I'm like, that looks cool. Uh, something about you know the way he draws the characters, but Batman, Superman, and Robin all look great in this book. Yeah. Supergirl too, when she's here, but she's not in this issue. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, immediately the kids freaking out. Um, obviously they they focus on Superman's reaction when he says that his world exploded and yeah. he's lost his parents. Uh, so and they say up to this kid's powers, he basically releases energy, and it's similar to Superman in that it's the sun that's doing this, but he's not from a different planet like Superman is. He's no. from a universe where the sun's much colder, so the sun on yeah. this earth is, like, making him yeah. super hot, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and there's that page where he starts to go off, and it's, uh, it looks like that famous Batman yeah. Robin cover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was really clever. Well, they're like both that. pulling their capes for, for uh, yeah. shielding, yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously they take him to the, the fortress, ultimately, uh, which Robin um, hops on for, might we, might we add. He's riding on, on his shoulders like he's Jungle Boy, right? <laughs> and he's yelling up, up, and away. And it's just, again... So so we know this is Dick Grayson now, because they, they've... You yeah, know, they established that. Yeah. And stuff. And so, yeah. This feels very Dick Grayson-y. So I'm, I'm glad. Um, but with, with how they explain how he ended up there, it's this hyper-time type stuff. And knowing what we know about Wade and the, the multiverse one-shot that's coming out... Mm. I'm wondering if this is one of those books where this is where it starts to get seeded. I mean, it's this. He already and, um, seeded what he's doing in Batman versus Robin in the first mm-hmm. arc of this book. Maybe he's seeding yeah. something else in this one. Yeah, and so what I'm just saying, so like the the stuff that's happening in Flashpoint Beyond is very much similar to this, where they talk about the the hyper uh, hyper time breakoffs is what creates parallel dimensions mm-hmm. versus multiverses and stuff. So Wade's already getting in there with this type of in universe continuity. Which, which I always appreciate. So yeah, uh, and Dick is flirting with a Kandorian inside the uh, the bottle, uh, saying everything's bigger on Earth with a, uh-huh. a cheesy smell on his face. Uh, Give me yeah. a chuckle. Uh, but yeah, so so Batman calls him um, and you know says there's a situation, and basically we get to this idea that wait, this is an alternate reality from where this kid's from, so his mm-hmm. parents exist here. And we get this very sad scene where he tries to go and talk to these parents and they don't know who he is and they get really upset. And part of the reason why they get very upset is because they did have a son on this mm-hmm. earth, but he died when he was very young. And it's like, he can't go over and talk to them now because you know, it'll, be, it'll be too confusing for them. They've lost their son and then they'll, yeah. you know. I mean, there is maybe a point where they'll eventually understand and maybe kind of accept this second chance of like raising this other version of their son. But obviously this opens an old wound. So you get this big full page spread of Superman hugging... Um, uh, the, the character and you know I, there's a great moment here between Batman and Superman where they're mm-hmm. talking about it and he says imagine losing your parents twice in one day and I kind of love that coming from Batman because yep. obviously Batman knows what it's like to lose his parents but right. he, he doesn't know what it's like to lose them twice uh, right. you know at least not at this point maybe once Alfred's died maybe you could argue that he's he's done it right. twice and, and at this but, point you know Mom and Pop can are still around I mean he only really knows Jor-El, or Superman probably only knows Jor-El from a projection, right? So... Yeah, so for uh, as much as they can relate, there's also a lot of differences mm-hmm. with yeah. what this kid's going through, so... Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, well, and, and I like that Dick's over there just sitting with him, right, yeah. in the corner of the Batcave. Well, so. D- Dick's ultimate plan to cheer him up at the end of the issue is he takes the Batcopter uh, and <laughs> flies him to Titans Tower to meet the Teen Titans, and it's the, it was the Silver Age... Yeah. Teen Titans. It's uh, you know, Wally as Kid Flash. It's Aqualad. It's Wonder Girl and uh, Roy. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 Speedy. 
Speedy. I was going to say what name is he because you know he's been Red Arrow, he's been Arsenal, hey. he's been like I can never remember yeah. when he had what name. As, at this point, he's Speedy, the boy Archer. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So no, I love that we're dealing with some Silver Age Titan stuff. Um. The only real complaint I'd have is that like I wasn't necessarily ready for it to be over, and there is a little epilogue scene, admittedly, but um, you know, yeah. I was like, oh, I could have used. I thought there was going to be more. So which is maybe just a sign that I was enjoying it quite a bit, and uh, I was into the introduction of this character and yeah. uh basically every i mean it's not so much that the character himself is super interesting but it's everyone else's reactions to what he's going through that's fascinating mm -hmm. and we're wage really playing with stuff uh the ending though we get like a little uh epilogue where the the villain here um it says next the key master of gotham and this guy does have keys on his like fingers i'm pretty sure this is the key you know is that just uh, what he's called the key yeah um, I think yeah, I think I've read some stories. Maybe even on this show, actually, in, in the early yeah. days, maybe there was a key story. Yeah, I want to say it was in Titans. Mm -hmm. That sounds right. Yep. So, but yeah, uh, it looks like the key, but it looks like it's a new version because it looks like he's uh, in Pan's Labyrinth. Dude can't grab the food. Mm -hmm. So the question is though, will the gatekeeper also be in the issue? Yeah. Should be. Are you the key master? <laughs> uh, I wish I knew those. He has a, a really funny line in Ghostbusters where he just goes on after he asks if he's the key master. Uh, or he, are you the gatekeeper? Uh, I wish I knew it off the top of my head. I don't. Well, that was a thrilling reference it to was. the film. It's, it's where, where Rick Moranis goes, uh, if you know what I mean, at the end of that. Uh, <laughs> I, need to, I need to watch Ghostbusters again. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Basically, he's got he's got someone enslaved who is dying of hunger and actually dies as he's reaching out to the food mm -hmm. that he's put out for him. Um. So it, you know, it's a really dark scene. Um. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I've been digging this book. I think Wade's like killing it as far as like a very Silver Age style version of these characters go. Mm -hmm. I love all the inclusion of the other characters that it's bringing in and then out. You know, the first arc had the Doom Patrol coming in and Supergirl. This arc seems to be having a bit of Teen Titans. Uh, so I'm really digging all that stuff. Um, I love that this is a Batman with Robin constantly. Again, it feels like mm -hmm. it's Wade's taste and the characters coming out. So, yeah. and obviously Dan Moore's art is fantastic. Uh, this, yeah. this looks phenomenal well, start and, to finish. And it's the art in with the writing that makes it feel like a throwback, right? Yeah, for sure. Because this does feel like a lost arc of some kind of, you know, the, lo the, the unremembered sidekick to Superman, Boy Thunder. So... Um, and it, and it really is the, the art that Moore's art with the clean lines and all that, that puts us in that it feel, Well, it feels modern as well. Like it doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't actually look like a Silver Age book, but it sort no. of evokes a Silver Age book while yeah. still looking modern is mm -hmm. the best way to put it. Uh, so, yeah. And part of that may just be using the old costume designs and all the rest of it, you know, the, the coloring yeah. helping out a little bit. I mean, but... seeing Speedy with his, his Robin Hood hat instead of a ball cap. Oh yeah. Nice. Nice, nice move. Yeah, I wonder what uh, what Jay would think of uh, this, the the yeah. Robin Hood hat. Is is that better or worse than the ball yeah. cap to it's, him? It's part of the costume, I'm sure. So he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You're you're Robin Hood's sidekick," mm. and that I think that would be the line that would drive Roy nuts because he hasn't been a sidekick for a while. You know. <laughs> no, so no, I had a good time with us. Uh, yeah. You know. Uh, I think up until this point, I'd, I'd really liked, uh, or even really loved most of the books I read. Uh, not, not to say that we're about to go downhill or anything, but uh, I think this was the order I read them in, more or less. Like, I, 
If I almost, I, I think Flash and Batman Superman might have been swapped, but bizarrely, mm-hmm. I read them in the order we're talking about them today. So okay. I, I'm just trying to say I did a really good week of comics. Is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Uh, yeah. What are you rating World's Finest issue seven? I'm gonna give this an eight point five. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with that score. Dang, I can't argue with it. So, very good. Uh, Alright, Batman the Night, issue 9. Chip Zarsky writing with Carmine DJ Domenico on the art. And Anton is definitely a ghost maker. Just, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just going to say it. He's not oh. taking the name yet. Although at one point someone says something about a ghost and I thought, mm, is that a seed? Is that the seed for what she's going yeah. to take right. the name? And, and basically what we know about Ghostmaker and that him and Bruce had this deal where, like, I'm not going to stop you, but you can't set foot in Gotham. I feel like Chip's really building on that in this issue, you know. Yeah, it shows yeah. That they they are very similar, but that you know, Bruce's integrity or whatever you want to call it to preserving life is what makes them different. Yeah, <clears throat> ba- Batman and his narration is constantly talking about how, like, he likes having him there as an ally, but he knows that it can't last because he's killed someone and that he's going to keep killing people. Yeah. Um, but it's all about their search for Ra's al Ghul. They're off in the desert. The truck you know, blows up because it's, it's sabotaged. Yep. All that stuff. Uh, but they get to, to Raz uh, up the mountain and all of his ninjas are there. Tally is there. Tally even flirts at one point with Bruce and tries to kiss him and yeah. uh, is disappointed when he rejects that but wants to know something else and is like, oh, you yeah. you know, disrespect one part of me but want another. Um, Yeah, so that, this is very much like Raz and we, we have always known that Raz in some way was looking for some sort of successor with uh mm-hmm. with bruce and here his right hand man's retiring we find out eventually and that one of these two he wants to to replace him um and he ultimately wants bruce and anton to fight but bruce is like uh no i'm not uh going to do that obviously anton's game for it so the end of the issue the cliffhanger is yeah. that they're going to fight uh to see who becomes like raza al Ghul's next dude Mm-hmm. So that's what it ultimately builds up to. But there's a lot of little things along the way. I love it calling back to uh, that issue where I think it was the French thief who said, the world doesn't need another angry cop. Think bigger. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like that idea going through Bruce's head where like, what am I going to do when I get back to Gotham? Just hunt muggers like with my fighting skills. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like kind of maybe for the first time he's starting to think about, okay, I have to be something more than just that. I have to be something bigger. I have to be something a bit more dramatic, you know? So, it feels yeah. like those thoughts are starting to seep in, which is really interesting because it's because to me, like the learn to fight and stuff is cool and all, but it's like where the idea to form a persona, to form the Batman, is like yeah, really fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean it's called the knight because these are all pieces of armor that he's gonna put on, and and you know Batman is the knight at that point, right? He's the fully formed, you know, with the principles that you know he's learned. Is there's a part in here where he talks about how the last guy taught him to you know control his pain but couldn't teach him you know how to think right he tell him how to how to not think and how to not but he couldn't teach him how to go about things and so i I do like that bruce still has to put some stuff together on his own you know and and him noticing that rosal gold probably ain't the guy you want to emulate you know with his army of assassins um is is real cool uh the the look of talia i thought was because i haven't seen this and i thought maybe this is just a throwback to her first appearance which it kind of is um so because i'm just used to her looking like the you know bond villain bond girl type well it's a young talia like it's a young bruce you know yeah and so just just her look through me for a little bit but that's also 
Gia Domenico style that I do like that it's, you know, this is Gia Domenico's Talia that we're dealing with. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's the, yeah, guy, we also, it, it's the guy that uh, they're going to replace that calls Ghostmaker Ghost, by the way. I just thought, wanted to mention that. Gotcha. Yeah, it. still was his name. Um, but also the... Um, you, you, oh, we find out the Ghostmaker's actual name, right? Which I, I would love to go back through the Tynan stuff because they kind of hint at it because it's not Anton. Mm-hmm. Um, they say it at the end. It, it's drawing a blank. It's something Khan, I believe. <laughs> I thought you'd have had it ready since you wanted to bring it up, Matt. No, no, no. I thought I thought maybe you had the page open in front of you. Uh, Mr. Minkoa Khan. There you go. Because I remember in there, the, it, his name like started with like an, an M. There was an M sound before it got cut off at one point. So, um, but yeah, no. Does, this that, is, does this mean Batman is going to yell out Khan at I some think point? He does. I think he will at one point. Yeah, um, maybe he will. Uh, but yeah, so there's a lot really, of build up to this. At one point, Raz even stabs Bruce in a like a, in a sword match. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Bruce patches himself up. Um, yeah. So I mean, definitely, it feels like Ghostmaker might agree with what Raz is going to do a bit more, but clearly it doesn't mm-hmm. stick with him. Uh, so we'll see how uh, all this yeah uh, resolves in the next issue. Because yeah, because the still goes in and shows him the like this barrage of rockets. Yeah, and that's where we get the hint that. Yeah, that Razal Ghul yeah, is about world peace, but you know, only world peace for him to be in control. Um, yeah, I also wonder if he like he also rejects Razal Ghul for you know reasons of being too much of a right. a villain as well, and right, you know. So I, I think it's it's interesting that this is where we're leaning into with the finale, uh, where it doesn't it isn't going to come back and redo year one. I mean, maybe you'll sort of have like Bruce arriving in Gotham as the final page yeah. or something. And it's like, okay, now go read year one, because that's kind of where year one yeah. picks up. I hope the final page is him landing on the airplane from when um, Alfred goes to pick him up. I think that would be cool. Mm-hmm. That would be, be a neat little touch to sort of like mm-hmm. say, hey, you can li- literally pair this with year one if yeah. you want, and then go from yeah. there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I enjoyed the issue. Um, mm-hmm. I think the issue did peak with that issue in the forest where like the, the standoff happens the marksman yeah yeah that, that was the, the peak of the, the book for me but i mean i'm still enjoying it and i'm still enjoying it at fleshing out batman's you know bruce's yeah. like time traveling where he trained to become batman mm-hmm. you know i i'm enjoying what the concept of this book is um ghostmaker still kind of sucks but you know that's, yeah, <laughs> that's okay I, that's, I and i appreciate like chips chips raz al ghul still has this grandiosity that we haven't seen in a while right because talia has been kind of the main al ghul for the last couple of years. It makes sense because it's early, you know, this is back yeah. before he was even fighting Batman, you know? Yeah. And so I, I just liked him, you know, sitting in the throne room in, you know, kind of like a, like a meditation, you know, surrounded by his guards. And it's a Roz I haven't seen in a minute. So I, I do like that. Um, yeah. So no, it's just, it's fun. I'm glad I stuck with this because for that first issue was really rough and I wasn't going to stick with it. Um, I ended up and it, it's, been a real fun ride hmm uh no cool um so yeah obviously the arts the Gia Domenico uh is pretty consistent with what he's been doing on the book um you know obviously we get to see Raz and Talia who are a little bit different uh and new to the to the book so we get to see how he tackles them uh, I would say his angular lines really work with uh like the beard on Raz like, it really gives yeah. it this kind of pointy feel to it which yeah. is kind of cool um but yeah it's it's uh it's, it's, it's been an enjoyable mini 
Um, I'm kind of glad it's ending as well, though. Uh, just, you know, I'm ready for it to wrap up, but it has been a good time. Uh, what are you rating the night issue nine? I'm going to give this an eight. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with a 7.5 for this one. Yeah. Uh, just a little nudge down, but, uh, yeah. So there you go. Uh, Deceased, War of the Undead Gods, issue two, Tom Taylor, writing with Trevor Hearsign on the art. Uh, so we we saw the tease, of course, of the new gods uh, all succumbing to the the zombie anti life equation. Mm-hmm. But this issue, Big Barda and Mister Miracle are returning to New Genesis after helping cure Earth to look for their son, only to find out that it is a zombie wasteland when they get there, uh, which is really sad. Uh, and Barda loses most of her hand because she goes to like, go into like a corrupted boom tube, which we later find out are called doom tubes. Uh, I know, but only the dead and like the undead can pass through safely. Yeah. Uh, living people can't, which is why I like that black racer comes out and stops her. Yeah, well, because our our yeah. hand that she put in like comes out and it's like just this 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 the skeleton. It's just her bones yeah. of her hand that's left. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was quite uh cool and fun. Um, mm-hmm. but the big thing of this issue, uh, by and large, is that Darkseid and Co are attacking Corrigar, and they're eventually yeah. going to go everywhere. But they're attacking Corrigar. And they send out a distress call, which obviously Sinestro and the Yellow Lanterns get. Mm-hmm. So they come in to, to try and protect. Uh, but Kyle uh, thinks, Kyle Reno that is, uh, thinks that they're attacking Corrigar. So he like jumps in and <laughs> like blocks the blast and yeah. has a standoff with Sinestro before eventually uh, bloody Darkseid rips Sinestro's head off when he shows up. Sinestro cannot catch a break, man. Yeah, like dark zombie dark side rips off Z- yep. Sinestro's head and then takes his lantern ring because it's like, hey, you can instill great fear. And he's like, of course yeah. I can. I'm Sin- I'm, I'm dark side, bitch. I'm zombie dark side. Yeah, <laughs> and then oh man, um, yeah. The the fact that we got that Kyle and Sornik are official an item here in this universe. Yes, yes, they are married, and, Taylor, and that that was his father in law. I thought that that little piece of aggravation from Sinestro. I thoroughly enjoyed because when he goes to launch, because they, they he brings Warworld to to Korrigar because uh, that's where the the Sinestro Corps are are basing themselves out of Warworld here to to defend the home planet. And when he goes to launch the attack, Kyle stops it and Sorenik and the Green Lanterns and him just being oh, it's my daughter and her husband just five was was really good. Um, and also we we have manifested this. You know, through this show, mm-hmm. Tom Taylor getting Nightwing. When can we get Tom Taylor doing a Green Lantern book? Oh, I saw you tweeting that try to tweet yep. us into existence. Yep. Um, I mean, you know, when I need it when he's done with one of his runs. Um, yep. I would have no problem with him doing a, a Jessica Cruz book if, if I'm picking just a rotating cast. If he wanted to do a rotating cast, cool. I just I I miss reading Green Lantern. I'm just I'm uh, always going to pick Jessica because Jessica's my favorite. Kale's my second yeah. favorite. I'm always going to pick them. them but, but even then, like, we all have our own favorites. And I and I know a guy book wouldn't, you know, be for everybody. And we've had plenty of Hal. So even a Kyle Tom Taylor book. Well, you, uh, you got you got a guy seen in this with him uh, talking about yeah. how we shouldn't trust Brainiac. And he, he's, yeah. he's rambling on being... Because uh, <laughs> Brainiac says he's a ninth level intellect. He's like, oh, I bet uh-huh. the scale goes to nine. He's like, no, actually it goes to 13. And he's like, wait, you made up your own scale and only put yourself at nine? 
Well, in that case, I'm uh, I'm an eleven on my scale, and my scale only goes to six, which oh, is, shows how good I am. Perfect guy gardener, perfect amount of dickishness. Yeah, uh, in there, and I did love that. And but I also like that's an understanding of Brainiac too that he will assume thirteenth level at one point, right? Like, oh sure, he's always building to it, you know. Uh, so. But yeah, I did love that, and I love that Superman he, points out, you know, up until last week, I was part of the problem, too. Yeah. Like, we have to have, we have to keep hope. And yeah, I, and I it, like that. It, it gives uh, Superman candor as a, as yeah. a make good. It's like, hey, yeah. this is this to show my intentions are, are honorable. Mm-hmm. Here's a, you know. Uh, unluckily, though, uh, Zombie Supergirl is actually what sort of uh, turns the tide with, the, yeah. with, with Kyle and that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. we, we get, uh, like I said, we get Darkseid shows up, rips off Sinestro's head, uh, who says, please, you have to, you know, save, uh, <laughs> yeah, you have to yep. save Corrigar, my dear daughter, please. Uh, and then his head gets ripped off. It is beautiful uh, as far as the panel goes. Yep. Uh, and then you just have Darkseid, you know, holding the, the ring. And the final page is him in his new yellow lantern outfit. Yeah. Uh, you the ability to instill great fear. Of course it does. Oof. Yeah. Of it does. yeah. I, I'll never not pop for that, though, because I just remember reading the John stuff, and when that ring went to Batman... Oh, yeah. That, and... that I, I always <sighs> remember that part of the, the Green Lantern one, because it's just such a, like, yep. of course he does, he's Batman. Yeah. And it's like Bruce Wayne of Earth, you have the ability to instill great fear. Uh, so good. Yeah, fantastic. So... Um. No, I really enjoyed this issue. It's really tight and focused. I love that it breaks down into effectively just three simple things. It's uh, the discovery of uh, New Genesis with, with Barda and Scott. It's the conversation with Brainiac. And then the main thing is the Corrigar and Sinestro and like the, the, you know, the outcome of that. And, you know, obviously, like the Green Lanterns have to scapper away because they can't fight this right now. They have to go and get reinforcements. Um, but you know, I I think uh, I'm you know I, I love all the building blocks. I like that this one's a little bit longer uh, than the previous yeah. minis to, to really build up the the scope of it and the scale of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm into it. Well, and like, are we gonna get an undead planet like like with Warworld? You know, like well, that's a good point. I, I, actually, now you've said that, yeah, because because uh, was on Warworld, yeah, and Supergirl puts the corrupted mother box, yeah onto it and it takes over Warworld. So it seems like Warworld is now controlled by the anti-life or mm-hmm. whatever. So uh yeah, we got that going for us as well. Yeah. Uh I loved how Dark Side Zombie Dark Side looks quite cool. I think the extra lines of like blood or whatever it is on his face just make him look especially like yeah. demonic. Well and I also like to think too like to kinda like not to nerf him exactly, but I like the idea that when when the fear and the and the will were put together they were able to hold the Omega Sanction, or at least the zombie Omega Sanction, at mm. bay until Supergirl, right, broke that line. So it did kind of show, like, oh, he is there. There, you can't beat him with enough force, but he just has numbers. Oh, so we have to go full Jeff Johns and have the entire Rainbow Core uh, together. Not necessarily the Rainbow Core, but just you know, take take Supergirl out of the equation, you know. But it's not just because I feel like the Omega Sanction normally. That would have blew past that, right? Sure, like, yeah. So, but just the idea of coming from zombie, it's not as strong as it would have been, so. Yeah. So, no. <clears throat> uh, big stuff, big bombastic blockbuster stuff. Um, 
Tom Taylor's writing and understanding of these characters makes everything just have an extra little bit. He clearly likes them all. Uh, obviously, in the same week as his Fantastic Nightwing issue comes out, this is the lesser mm-hmm. of the two, but still extremely good, yeah. and I had a good time. Yes. So, uh, what are you giving War of the Undead Gods issue two? I'm, I'm going to give this a... Let's go 7.5. It's, it's, pretty, it's still pretty good. Oh, I was, I was going to go with a nice solid 8 out of 10 for me. Uh, so there you go. That is uh, Deceased, which will take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and top five books. So let us start with panel slash moment, Matt. What you got? So, I'm sure yours is going to be from Nightwing. Mm-hmm. So, thinking what I think it's going to be, I'm going to go from a little bit before that, and it's when Bab starts laughing. Just okay. the... Just, just the ha ha ha's behind her, you know, and her her snapping dick back to reality. That like, no, we're we're superheroes. We're always in danger. That's sweet of you to think that, but you know, I, I know what I'm getting into. I mean, I am so tempted to take from the Flash, uh, the the cast and Steph reacting to little Irie, yeah, uh, grilling out Damien. But yeah, you know, Nightwing and Oracle, Batgirl and Robin, Dick and Babs, yeah. always <laughs> like it's hard not to take that. I just, okay. It hit me yeah. in the feels, so... I, I read that last night, I'm like, there's Pete's. There's Pete's moment. Mm. Unless he pulls something from another book. Uh, so... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, cover of the week, Matt, what you got? Who? I gotta go back and look at the covers now, because I went to next week. Um. Yeah, I've not really had the chance to look at the covers as of yet. I'm gonna go with... It's from Nightwing, uh, and it's the Jamal Campbell Oh, the variant. romantic cover. Yeah. It's, it's super sweet. It's got Dick and Babs. Um, so uh, it just looks nice. I like Jamal Campbell a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking through the covers just now because uh, I've not had the chance to really yet. Um, so I will say that I do also like that Nightwing cover. Uh, there's an Art Germ Two Face cover. Uh, which uh, you know, is cool. There's a Christian Ward one too. Now that you brought mm. up Two Face, that I almost went with. Yeah, uh, but you know, I think um, my pick is actually going to be a variant for World's Finest. There's a Middleton cover for World's Finest mm-hmm. that I think looks quite nice. Yeah, uh, I think what I like about it is the the paint the painted quality of it, it makes the fabric of the Batman and Superman outfits look kind of like uh, like the Superman seventy eight movie fabric. Like it almost yeah. looks like that type of like material. Uh, plus it's this beautiful painted cover and you've got the uh, Gotham Metropolis at the bottom uh, on either side of the statue. Yeah. That's really nice. That's almost a phone background on its own. You take all the lettering off. That is pretty gorgeous. So I think I have to go with that. There's a few good covers like sprinkled throughout some of the variants and Mm -hmm. whatnot though. Uh, So, yeah, worth having a look through them if you haven't. Uh, So, all right, uh, best art of the week then, Matt. All right, so it's down to Mora and Redondo. And do I want to give Nightwing the clean sweep, or do I want to mix it up a little bit? <laughs> so, that said, I really enjoyed Redondo. But Mora's clean lines, the throwback style, him drawing the Titans, just gives it a little bit of an edge. So I'm going to go with Mora. Okay. Uh, yeah, good art this week, and I, I would agree that it's kind of between... But let's not discount Fernandez for the Two-Face nope. book, though, because nope. that's fantastic. I am going to give it to Redondo, because it was full yep. of like sequences that I really loved this week, but... Uh, we had a lot of good art this week, um, and you you hoping wasn't slacking on Flash either. Uh, so, uh, worth uh, mentioning. So, um, 
yeah, so Nightwing and Redondo for me. All right, top five books, Mac. On you go. All right, so number one's going to be Nightwing. Two's going to be uh, Two-Face. Three's going to be World's Finest. Four's going to be The Knight. And five's going to be Flash. Yeah, wait. No. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Okay. I can't remember what I gave The Flash. It was a 7 yeah. or 7.5, but either way, it's up there with Deceased in, in levels. All right. Uh, my number one is Nightwing. My number two is Two-Face. My number three is World's Finest. My number four is Deceased. And my number five is The Flash. So there yep. you go. That's my that's my top five. Uh, which will let me tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. So coming next week is Detective Comics 1064, Action Comics 1047, The Nice House and the Lake Issue 10. It's been a little while. Yep. Been a little while. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, by the way, if anyone's wondering what spurred on the idea of doing some non-DC books occasionally, um, Nice House in the Lakes basically what made me want to do it, because I'm like, the only reason why we're reading that book is because it's technically DC publishing it, and we could have been reading other Tyne and horror books, and we weren't. True. So, I'm not making that mistake again. <laughs> True. I'm not making that mistake again, because we've had such a good time talking about that book. Uh, so I'm looking forward to talking about Nice House in the Lake. Uh, then we also have DC vs. Vampires issue 9, Batman Beyond the White Knight issue 5 is out, The Human Target issue 7, oh baby. We have Nice House in the Lake and Human Target back next yep. week, are you kidding me? I'm I'm already calling it, that covers my cover of the week. <laughs> Human Target? Smallwood? Okay, okay. Oof, I love it. Uh, then we got Harley Quinn 22, Deathstroke Inc. issue 13, uh, Tim Drake Robin issue 1, which I know that Connor's going to be forced to read. Yes. Uh, so... Uh, when he catches up on his Patreon books, and he will be soon, I promise everyone. Uh, we have Sandman Universe, Nightmare Country issue 6, uh, Batman Fortress issue 5, Superman Space Age issue 2, uh, now that you'll have time for a 80-page book after all these other books, uh, nope. DC Horror presents Sergeant Rock vs. The Army of the Dead issue, I need to try that. Yeah. It's a busy week, but I need to try that. I'm, I'm for sure. I'm not reading Space Age because I'm also going to be on vacation, so I'm not going to have time but I will make time for Sergeant Rock for yeah. sure. Yeah, you're back for the show. You're just you're just on vacation. Yeah, I'm back before. for the show. I just yeah. don't know if I'm gonna have time to read a 80 page uh, yeah. Mark Russell That's... Superman book as much as I would love to. Do you know, what? I you know I didn't read DC Mech last month, and I'm so glad yeah. I didn't because DC Mech's out next week, and I'm glad yeah. I didn't because with Human Target back, Nice House in the Lake back, the Sergeant Rock book that I need to read by Bruce Campbell. Uh, there's a lot to read next week. Uh, so just to wrap up this list, DC Mech issue three, uh, Justice League. Versus the Legion of Superheroes issue six. Yeah, that's all a thing. I know, yeah. Uh, and Batman: The Audio Adventures issue one, uh, which is a curious little book on its own, actually. Yeah, uh, I mean, so it, it picks up where the Audio Adventures left off. So, oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, that, that I remember seeing that on thing. So, I would love to listen to those, and then read yeah. this book because I'm sure it's it, it's fun. But yeah, but yeah. So out of those one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah. Six, but on vacation, it's going to be a tough, tough thing. I'll, I'll get it done, though. Yeah. Yeah. But that's cool. Uh, I was, uh, next week's actually really exciting for books. <laughs> I didn't realize, yeah. I didn't realize how good this this next week was. This, this week was great as well. So uh, nice back half of the month or whatever it is for DC. Uh, so look forward uh, to the reviews of uh, the ones we're reading of those uh, next week. Of course, uh, you can support all the content by going over to patreon.com slash TV and uh, support us monthly over there. Uh, you get early access to the show at the $5 tier and up. 
uh, you get it late on the Saturday whenever I'm done with it versus waiting to the Sunday. So if that's of interest, uh, you know. Uh, for people in the UK in like earlier time zones, it basically means it's there Sunday morning for you as opposed to waiting until Sunday night. But um, if that's of interest, go and have a look and uh, help support the show and the content. Uh, get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. And of course, rate the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, share us around uh, to your comic book reading friends and things. Uh, all of these things uh, do help. But uh, uh, that, is, that is basically the show. Oh, thank our Patreon producers. Uh, thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Borden, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Thank you all uh, for supporting the show and all of the content that we make. Uh, but there you go. That is, uh, that is episode three, two, four. <laughs> sure I think that's what we're on uh, I said that right at the start if I'm wrong now then that's okay uh, but thank you very much for joining us we always appreciate it keep reading DC comics and remember to never get lost in the speed force <laughs> <laughs>